This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is the Monty Show, Monday, August 1st, 2022. And we have a lot to get to today. A big update on the Knicks and the Utah Jazz coming up. Uh, Why did the New York Knicks walk away from the Utah Jazz? It's a big story. Does this mean that the Utah Jazz will not trade Donovan Mitchell before training camp? We'll talk about all of that. The very latest details on our BYU-Notre Dame drive away to see BYU and Notre Dame in Las Vegas for the Shamrock Series. But this morning, we start the show with breaking news, and that is that Deshaun Watson, the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, has been suspended six games uh, by the arbiter. Um, Jake, of the uh, National Football League yes, uh, for violating the NFL's conduct policy uh, for all of these accusations um, surrounding his situation with massage therapy professionals in um, Houston. And if you are not familiar, which I have a hard time believing, Deshaun Watson is accused of, in the most heinous cases, sexual assault, um, in at least, at least sexual misconduct in most of these cases, he had 20 plus lawsuits filed against him just this morning. It was announced that the Sean Watson has settled three more of those cases, leaving only one case outstanding in all of these Deshaun Watson has settled all now, but one of those cases, but just announced moments ago, Deshaun Watson suspended six games. Um, by the, you know, this, this former judge that is appointed and agreed to by the NFL and the NFL PA, she has gone over hundreds of thousands of hours of testimony and evidence and statements, uh, by these women. And it should be noted that the only witnesses that, um, judge Robinson took testimony from were the witnesses or the accusers in this case, if you will, of Deshaun Watson that the NFL investigators spoke to. Um, So there are six accusers, allegedly, that the NFL spoke to. That's the evidence that the judge used to suspend Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson six games this season for violating the NFL's uh, personal conduct policy. Jake, was this, in your opinion, enough, too much? Where do you come down on it? Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I, I think that it feels a bit light for everything that we've gone through um, in this whole case and in, in the way it's all happened. I feel like, you know, this has been going on for what seems like forever. I think it's been around a year or so uh, that this has been happening. Um, and it feels like six games, to be honest with you, is a little light. I was hoping for like eight to ten. I felt like that was a pretty just number. I felt like, you know, anything over 10 was heavy-handed, but I felt like that 8 to 10 range was a really nice spot for for this situation with Deshaun Watson. The problem is, and where things kind of get a little awry in this case, is that NFL owners who have done similar things to what Deshaun is being accused of doing um, didn't get suspended. There was no discipline from the NFL. And obviously the best example of this is Bob Kraft and his whole situation. So I just think that, you know, is it too much? Is it too little? I felt like six games was a, a bit light, if, if I'm being honest. But 
I think that based on the precedent and based on the fact that Bob Kraft didn't get any suspension or discipline uh, and based on the fact that this type of situation with how this went down with Deshaun and what he did hasn't really been seen in the league before, um, you know, I felt like six was, was kind of light. Now, if you look at the NFL's history of, you know, domestic violence and everything, you know, over the past, all the names that we all all know, the Kareem Hunts of the world, the Greg Hardys, the Ray Rices, all those guys and what they did. To me, you know, that precedent, if I'm the NFL, would have would have led me to kind of want to set a standard here and set an example with Deshaun and say, hey, you know, it is 10 games. But again, it's not up to Roger Goodell. It was up to Sue Robinson. So we'll see. The only question that remains is how the NFL is going to handle this ruling now. Yeah, and I, I think one of the big questions is will uh, the NFL and Roger Goodell appeal this suspension? This is where things get a little awkward um, in that the NFL can't appeal this, but who are they appealing it to? They'd be appealing it to themselves because Roger Goodell in all likelihood would be the appeals officer as is set up in the NFLPA and the NFL's you know collective bargaining agreement. Roger Goodell has the final say here. So if they want Deshaun Watson to be suspended further, they can appeal it and Roger Goodell will make a decision on that and essentially make the decision to suspend Deshaun for a year, which is what I think I've said from the beginning. I believe that Deshaun should be off the field um, for a year. Um, I don't know why I keep messing that up, but they, <clears throat> they, I feel like Deshaun should have been taken off the field for a year. And I think the NFL agrees. They do not want him to play that road game in Houston. They do not want the, the, the circus atmosphere that would certainly follow Deshaun back to Houston should he go with the Browns to play there. Well, guess what? Now with six games, he's going to be, if they don't appeal, he is going to be in Houston to take on the Texans. So that is certainly something to think about. But this goes back to what NFL players have said for many years, that it is unfair that Roger Goodell, no matter what, at the end of the day, is the judge, jury, and executioner in mm -hmm. these cases. And I, I would agree with that. I think it is it is really unfair and it is really balanced um, with a, a, a an independent arbitrator making this decision. And then you go ahead and say, well, we don't like that decision, so we're going to make a different one. That feels unjust, but that right. is what the players agreed to. So it's kind of hard to go back and argue about that now. My feeling on this is, is that Roger Goodell is going to appeal this and Roger Goodell is going to extend this suspension. And Jake, yeah. I would not be surprised if they gave Deshaun Watson an entire year. Yeah, and I, and I think the only, the only I completely agree with that. I, I, I think a year is not out of the question. I think the only other consideration for uh, the National Football League and Roger Goodell is how long do you want the saga to continue? How long is the league going to have to deal with this situation? I mean, obviously this morning with this ruling coming out is obviously the next step in the process, and now it's on Roger Goodell's plate, but I just feel like this has been such a long thing. Like, it's been, you know, he sat out all of last season. Now he's going to sit out a lot of this season, if not the entire season, depending on how Roger yeah. Goodell handles it. And so to me, I'm, I, I find myself sitting here just saying, man, like how long is the league wanting to deal with this? I mean, I, I know it's not a matter of convenience for the league, certainly. It's not a situation where you're saying to yourself, hey, you know, we're only we're going to accept this ruling because we want to get this done and over with. I know that's not the approach they're taking, obviously, but I just feel like if this goes on the whole season, what are we all going to be talking about? Well, it's going to be Jacoby Brissett or Josh Rosen for the Cleveland Browns, and what if they had, you know, Deshaun? That's what everyone's going to be talking about. So for me, 
I feel like if I'm Roger Goodell, I'm probably not handing out a year. I'm probably handing out like half the season, which is which, which we're a little below that right now. So again, I'll just maintain. I think what's realistic in in the world we live in is probably ten games, you know. But I'm with you. Hey, if they if they give them a year, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pitch a fit over that because I do think that that is still just. Yeah, I think that the biggest issue I have with this is it's 25 different accusations. Yeah. Um, now, Tony Busby, the attorney that's representing most of these women, um, listen, you can say what you want, but it, it almost doesn't matter how you come to it. It's 25 women that are accusing Deshaun Watson of, of you know, really different crimes of a sexual nature. And in the NFL where you have a stigma – uh, of violence against women where we have multiple, multiple cases mm-hmm. of heinous domestic violence, uh, including, you know, spousal abuse, murder. I don't see how you can go light on this. I don't see how you can go light when you have a situation where the reputation of the league is on the line. And again, yeah. if, if you're just tuning in this morning, um, Deshaun Watson has been suspended for the first six games of the season uh, for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy related to these 25 different civil lawsuits. And I think that's an important distinction to make here. It is 25 civil lawsuits. The police in Houston investigated these charges and chose not to file criminal charges, mainly because a lot of these women chose not to cooperate with the police, but instead file civil cases for financial settlements with Tony Busby against Deshaun Watson. And again, if you're also just tuning in this morning, 20, uh, 23 of these cases were filed. He has now, Deshaun Watson, settled all but one of those cases. So, I mean, he is really trying to get this taken care of right now. But those civil suits and those settlements meant almost nothing to the NFL and NFLPA arbiter who heard this case. She suspended him this morning six games, which means that based on what the Cleveland Browns schedule is, if you look at it, the games that Watson will miss, because remember, he can play in the preseason and he can be involved in training camp and practices right up until the Monday before week one, when the official league begins, the league year begins Um, And players actually report to team facilities the Monday before week one. That's when Deshaun Watson will be suspended for at Carolina, the Jets, the Steelers, which is a primetime Amazon uh, Thursday night football game, by the way, at Atlanta, home for uh, Los Angeles, the Chargers, and then home for New England. Deshaun Watson's first game back would be October 23rd, a Sunday uh, at Baltimore against the Ravens. Yeah. This is a big time. This is a big time blow for the Cleveland Browns. But again, if I'm Roger Goodell, how do you not go through the appeals process that's set forth, and how do you not um, take him off the the, the field for December fourth, Sunday, December fourth, at the Houston Texans? Yeah, I think it's and that's what I mean. I think there's a lot of considerations if you're the league and you're Roger Goodell. I mean, on one hand, I could see him saying, "Hey, you know what, Sue Robinson." Um, you know, came down with this decision. And I do think it matters that that Sue Robinson is a woman making this decision on yeah. a, on, a, on a, a case that is, you know, violence against women, like indiscretions against women. I think that absolutely matters. So I could see Roger Goodell just saying, hey, yeah, we're going to go with this because that's her decision. 
on the other side, I could definitely see, I completely agree, I could totally see Roger Goodell saying, no, we're going to appeal this, we're going to take control of this, and we're going to make an example out of Deshaun. And yeah, we are going to take him off the field for Houston. We are going to take him off the field you know, for, for, for the Steelers, the yes. Ravens, and Houston. Like, I could definitely see that taking place. So I think it literally just is a matter of choice if you're Roger Goodell in it. And I think, you know, again, referencing the NFL's track record with this type of thing, they've been pretty poor at, at decision-making and timing and, 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 and sort of how they go about disciplining these guys. There have been countless examples. Again, you know, the Ray Rices, the Kareem Hunts, the Greg Hardys. Like, there are so many, you know, examples, obviously, um, where they just haven't handled it well. You know, I look at the Ezekiel Elliott thing. You didn't handle that well. You know, I just feel like the NFL has to set a, a standard here. You got to make an example out of Deshaun Watson, and it's so funny in the vaunted pre-show meeting, behind the scenes, we were talking about the fact that the NFL really is the only league we have that has issues with violence against women. Obviously, the NBA is currently dealing with the Mikhail Bridges situation, or the Miles Bridges situation, excuse me. Um, but other than that, what other issues does the NBA have with, with violence against women? I look at Major League Baseball. There are really not very many examples of violence against women, you know? Um, I look at the NHL. There's not many examples of violence against women. So that's why I say this is a uniquely NFL problem, and I think it is a unique uh, responsibility of Roger Goodell to set the standard and say, hey, we're not tolerating this anymore. If you're going to commit crimes, if you will, or do, or do heinous things to women, you are going to pay the price. That's what I think needs to happen here. So if I'm Roger Goodell, I am appealing this. I am giving him at least 10 games, if not the whole year. That's what I would do. Yeah, I think I, if I'm Roger Goodell, I, I'm suspending him a year. I, I just don't know how you allow Deshaun Watson to play a game this year, especially, you know, December 4th at Houston. The Cleveland Browns are in Houston on December 4th. I just think it's such a circus uh, that you would allow Deshaun Watson to play in that game. I, I don't know how you would do that, especially with the rehashing of the ugly exit from Houston, the rehashing of all the charges. I just don't see how that makes sense for the NFL. I think they're going to push for a year um, at a minimum. Let's get your comments in here this morning as we react to uh, the breaking news that Deshaun Watson uh, has been suspended uh, for the first uh, six games of the season uh, for sexual misconduct charges that essentially equal, according to the arbitrator, a violation of the NFL's personal conduct policy. He will miss the first six games of the year. And again, if you uh, missed it uh, on the screen right now, are the first six games of the season for the Cleveland Browns. I, I just think it's not enough. I mean, I, I really think it's not enough. The NFL has to take him off the the field for a year. I, I, I don't know well, how you don't. And you know? I think an interesting question, one other thing that I think is is interesting is if you're the league and you're Roger Goodell, does him does Deshaun Watson missing all of last year even matter? Because I don't think it really should even matter. I think that was just part of the process. You had to sit out because this had to be adjudicated. Like you had to figure this out. You had to work through this and it had to be investigated. Like that's part of the process. And by the way, while you were sitting out, you were getting paid. So I don't think last year should matter, but I, really, yeah, I don't think it should matter. I think wow. that when you do things like this, because for the longest time I felt like, okay, 
will the suspension be retroactive? He's already missed a whole year, right? And and they're and they've sent this to Sue Robinson, who who now has said, hey, he's got six games. That's what I'm giving him. So to me, when you do what Deshaun Watson is being accused of doing, the process with which you miss time as it's being investigated should not count for for the discipline that you're going to get. That's part of the process. The league can't have you on the field when you've done what you're being accused of doing. So that portion of time that you missed, in my opinion, should not be counted. I think that th- what we're talking about today, the six games and the league appealing and, and them coming up with a decision, which I do think they will do, that's what I think the main focus for the league needs to be. But I'm curious how the league handles that. Do they consider last year? Yeah, I, I don't think they do. I think they want the hammer. I think the NFL, and again, I, I don't mean to re- be redundant. I know I've said this. I think the NFL needs to take a hard stance in, in crimes against women. The, this is a violent league playing a violent sport relating to men being violent. Yes. And they take that home from work. And there is a track record of NFL players abusing women, murdering women, Facts. violently, violently assaulting women. Um, and don't let's not forget that Henry Ruggs with the the Las oh, Vegas man. Raiders with this DUI, he is he is on trial for vehicular manslaughter. A woman died in that crash. His girlfriend or his female companion in his Corvette was seriously injured in that crash. This is not going to pass. This is going to be a situation, in my opinion, where the NFL is going to step up, appeal this suspension, and I believe Deshaun Watson will not play a game this year. Y'all I feel think, me? I think Roger Goodell, who, by the way, um, as everybody's been saying, Roger Goodell works for the owners in the NFL, including Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Cleveland Browns, who went out of his way to, to sign Deshaun Watson to a groundbreaking contract, which had never been seen before, a fully guaranteed contract for a quarterback facing a massive suspension in the middle of a massive, massive black eye for the NFL. Jimmy Haslam gave Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract. Mm -hmm. I don't think the NFL looked kindly on that. I don't think the other owners, I don't think Roger Goodell. And by the way, the other thing that you can't forget here is you have owners in this league as well who have been involved in crimes against women, most notably Bob Kraft, the owner of the New England yes. Patriots, caught in that massage parlor sting. Yes. You, know, you look at these situations and you're starting to feel like, yeah, there's quite a bit of hypocrisy going on around the NFL right now related to the way that they adjudicate crime and suspension and penalties from coaches and owners and there seems to be a line that differentiates that group from the players. Yes. It would be, in my opinion, it's going to be an awful, awfully difficult, you know, sales pitch to Jimmy Haslam to say we're taking your quarterback off the field for a year. And frankly, I think there's a lot of other owners. I, I would guess that you would get three to six owners who would agree with Jimmy Haslam on this. Yeah, no, I, I think that I think that no matter what, as we lay this out, there it's a no-win situation for the league. And what I mean is that if you if if you suspend Deshaun for any amount of time in this situation, you have egg on your face because you didn't you didn't suspend Bob Kraft or any of the other owners, right? But then if you suspend Deshaun heavy, let's say you gave him the whole regular season, he could come back for the playoffs. Just as an example, off the top of my head. 
Well, then you still have egg on your face because Jimmy's going to be pissed. The owners are going to be pissed. Like, at, like the people yeah. you work for are not going to be amused. So that's why I say this is the issue. So if you're Roger Goodell and you've had, like, what has it been, 14 months or whatever it's been to, to kind of figure out your stance on this, I just hope that they're strong in whichever way that they go. All right, let's get your comments in here. Tanner Plummer first in. <clears throat> Deshaun Watson gets six games and loses just 0.14% of his $230 million salary. That doesn't sound right either. But there's also a lot of conversation around the league that the reason that, that Deshaun Watson chose the Cleveland Browns is because they were willing to guarantee him that money, yeah. which would also make him whole from the settlements that he is signing with these accusers. So, you know, listen, Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Browns, has not exactly been, you know, controversy-free himself. Mm -hmm. um, he he owns, I believe he owns the Love's Truck Stop brands and others. He has had a credit card, you know, fee issue. And I'm telling you, it this league has a history of dirty deals. And I think this is another one of those. And Tanner, I think your previous point where you said Calvin Ridley gets suspended for a year for betting on NFL games. Watson gets suspended six games for sexual misconduct. That doesn't sound right. It's it a great point. I mean, it, it, and, and that's what I mean. Like the NFL is a league of hypocrisy. It always has been. And, and unfortunately, my belief is, is it always will be uh, a small, small portion of me Hopes that that changes in the next couple of days, but somehow I doubt that. Yep. Uh, Ryan uh, Scandura, good morning, Ryan, says, LOL, if Goodell had his way, Watson would be playing the full season. Oh, I doubt that. I think Roger Goodell wants I, – I think if Roger Goodell had his way, Deshaun Watson would never see the field in the NFL ever again. I, 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 I firmly believe that. I think Roger Goodell is a lot of things. He is not unintelligent. He is a savvy veteran operator. He understands what's at stake here for the NFL. Image, uh, marketing, advertising dollars, yes. uh, relationships, those are all at stake, at stake here. I think the main reason, if you're Roger Goodell, that you're going to suspend Deshaun Watson is image. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Perception is reality in this game. And I don't think there's any doubt either that Roger Goodell is well aware of that. He is well aware that this league has a history of of essentially allowing men to to abuse women and get off with light penalties. The only guy that really paid a price for what happened in his life was Ray Rice, who never played in the NFL again. So my feeling is is that yeah, this is going to be a heavy heavy price um, for Deshaun Watson. Uh, Cohen Wiley says, "I do love how more than half the league in the NBA is very very good and more spread out than a few years ago." when there was a trend to start super teams. We will talk a lot of NBA, which is why I, I chose that comment. A lot on the Jazz and the Knicks, a lot on Kevin Durant coming up yes. uh, on the show as well. Um, but we're talking about this situation where Deshaun Watson has been suspended for the first six games of the season this morning for his um, situation with these 25 women that have accused Deshaun Watson of sexual misconduct. Some you know, alleging heinous sexual crimes by Deshaun Watson against them in these civil suits. Uh, the arbitrator this morning, a former federal judge, has handed down a six-game suspension, which feels incredibly light to me. I, it just, it almost feels like no penalty at all. Right. Um, and the, the question that I, I guess I wonder about, 
is Deshaun Watson getting a free pass on this situation? It feels like he is. There will be no criminal case. He will not even have to worry about going to jail. He has got a $230 million fully guaranteed contract with the Cleveland Browns after, mind you, all of this came to light. And now he only gets a six-game suspension, which, I mean, financially is nothing to him. Right. This feels like he is getting away with this scot-free. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think, you know, uh, yeah, he is. I, I, I think that it's tough because I think if you're Deshaun Watson and you're in his camp, you're saying, hey, like, this isn't criminal. I'm not being charged with anything. Like, th- like nothing has really happened outside of the fact that I'm essentially admitting guilt by settling all these cases. So I think if you're him, you're saying, yeah, this is this is heavy no matter how you look at it. But my opinion is, is yeah, it's light because I, I've always maintained that, you know, professional athletes, specifically athletes who are, are big names, who are key to their team's success, like a quarterback in the NFL— uh, I think you have a certain responsibility off the field. And, and, and unfortunately, Deshaun clearly doesn't understand that. You yeah. don't get the luxury of just doing whatever the hell you want to do to wh- whoever the hell you want to do that to. That does, that's not how this works. Yeah, it's so, remarkable. It's crazy. It is remarkable. Zayman uh, says, uh, a two complaints against you. It's now a trend. How in the world did it get to 25 before anybody noticed? That's my question. Yeah. And... By the way, I would note that the Houston Texans have settled with all of these women. The Texans likely knew what was happening. And nothing will happen to them. Yeah, my opinion is there's no way to escape the fact that when your star quarterback is flying in massage professionals from other states to have one-on-one interaction with them in a hotel suite downtown... You had to know that was going on. You had to, if you're the Houston Texans, know this was happening. He then, and, and the other thing I think is important here is the owners of the Houston Texans, the McNair family, are good friends with this attorney that's representing these women against Deshaun Watson, Tony Busby. They Tony Busby and uh the late Mr. McNair. And Cal McNair, the current owner of the Houston Texans, were neighbors. So there is a very intimate relationship there. And the other thing that I think is important to note, because I think context is huge here. All of this happened once Deshaun Watson asked for a trade and said he would never play for the Texans Mm -hmm. again. Then all of a sudden, this attorney that's close friends with the ownership of the Texans started unearthing all of these women who then out of nowhere didn't want to file criminal charges but wanted to file civil suits against Deshaun Watson. Hey, guys. What this felt like to me, and I don't know this to be fact, it's my opinion. What it felt like to me in this case from the beginning was that when Deshaun Watson said, I'm never going to play for you again, trade me or I'm going to sit out, the Houston Texans said, okay, well, we're going to damage you permanently. Mm-hmm. And they went to Busby and they looked for dirt. And I don't think they knew what they were going to find necessarily, 25 women. They knew he was doing this with women in hotels. Here's the game plan. Which is why when the, when, when the 
Tony Busby came knocking. Notice there were no civil lawsuits filed. Notice there were no big to-dos about, hey, we're taking the Houston Texans to trial. There were quiet settlement negotiations that were quickly concluded. Yeah. Because they're all friends. Tony Busby and the Houston Texans know each other. Well, let's talk about it. I'm a good listener. So it was easy to settle those cases. Yep. So there were no endorsement deals that were lost forever. There were no, you know, threats of criminal complaints to bring people to the negotiating table on the civil level. I do think a big part of this is the Houston Texans railroading Deshaun Watson. I I don't think there's any doubt. Now, does that excuse what he did? Absolutely not. Yeah. Was Deshaun Watson, is Deshaun Watson stupid? Yes, he is. Did Deshaun Watson do all of the things he's accused of? Probably not. Did he do most of them? In my opinion, he did. Does he deserve six games? No, he deserves an entire season. But let's not, let's not, you know, throw under the rug the fact, sweep under the rug the fact that my opinion is that the McNair family had a big hand on this coming to light. Yeah, I mean, it, we would be naive to think that that an organization on the level of an NFL team had no idea. I mean, that's just naive thinking. To me, the minimum is they knew about it. They probably didn't do much about it initially because it wasn't a problem. Nobody in the public knew about it. Uh, and I think that, you know, NFL teams specifically, again, with quarterbacks, this would be different if we were talking about a long snapper, right? Nobody would give a damn. The guy would just be cut and he'd, we'd say, see you later. But because it's a starting quarterback, you know, there's a certain point you get to where you have to start caring. So it is a, it is an interesting situation, but I don't think it, nothing's going to happen to the Texans. That much is clear. Yeah. I, I just, I, I think it's over for the Texans now. I, 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 as soon as they settled those cases and my guess is, and again, I don't know this. I, it's just my opinion. Yeah. I think the Houston Texans were looking to pay settlements. They wanted to, they wanted it to be known that they settled with these women. They gave them a financial settlement. We are admitting our wrong here. We had responsibility here. Take our money. Oh my God. We had no idea that this was happening, but Hey, it's our guy. It's our quarterback. It's our responsibility. Let us fix this. Let us help you. Let us take care of this. Putting it basically, my opinion is just on everything you've just laid out, uh, is that they tried to put themselves in a positive light. Like, Hey, we're, we're being good guys here. But at the, at the point that they did this, there's financial gain for them. Yeah. They make billions of dollars a year being an NFL team. Yeah. My guess is the settlements attacks right off there was a gain here for them yeah they won Deshaun Deshaun Watson lost they won and I don't I don't think there's any way to fix that Deshaun Watson could win the next 10 MVPs in Super Bowls and he's always going to be the guy that had 25 civil cases filed against him uh for sexual assault by massage professionals yeah. who made really terrible accusations it just it doesn't matter what he does he is tainted forever yes forever so, I mean, you could sit here and say what you want. The Houston Texans won here. The Houston Texans absolutely won um, in this Deshaun Watson case. It's breaking news this morning. Uh, Deshaun Watson has been suspended uh, for the first six games of the season by the neutral arbitrator uh, hearing the case between the NFL and the NFLPA. Um, the next step in this case is one of two things. The NFL accepts that, that punishment and everybody goes about their business. The NFLPA has said they will not appeal, um, that they just want, you know, they, they want to put an end to this. And D Deshaun Watson has agreed to that. Um, so the NFLPA, you know, will not appeal. The question is, what does Roger Goodell and the NFL do? 
does do the owners, and don't forget, when I say Roger Goodell, the owners of the National Football League teams, that's who Roger Goodell represents. Will the other owners and Roger Goodell file an appeal to this six-game suspension, and will they be looking for more? And real. my guess is they will. Uh, Adam Schefter from ESPN is reporting that the NFL does not want Deshaun Watson to play in that game in Houston. They do not want him making that trip back to Houston. And that they wanted a full year's suspension. They got six games. I just don't think that a full year is, is ridiculous. I don't. I mean, on a surface, no. when you first say it, you're like, well, that feels heavy. But then you start thinking about it. You're like, yeah, dude, a full year is pretty warranted considering it's 25 women. Yeah. Dude, like, like there has to be, again, the NFL has to set a standard here. You've got ESPN on Get Up this morning laying out the fact that Deshaun is going to get, you know, a gazillion dollars a year on this fully guaranteed contract. Like, you have to set a standard but here. Did you, but again, I think it matters. Did you see how his, his contract is, is structured? The Cleveland Browns absolutely did a sweetheart deal with Deshaun Watson. So go, go back in time a little bit here and remember exactly where Deshaun Watson was. He had demanded a trade. He said, I'll never play for the Brown or for the Houston Texans again. Yeah. All these lawsuits happen. He's in purgatory. Does not play last year. He is away from the NFL and the team last year. Getting paid. But he gets paid. Yes. He get he gets paid. Then they trade him to the Cleveland Browns and get a new deal done that's $230 million guaranteed. But but all he gets in base salary this year is $1 million. So the only money he loses this year is $1 million. All the other years of the contract are $20 plus million. The <coughs> Browns and Deshaun Watson knew this suspension was coming. That's why they negotiated the contract the way they did. Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns made a sweetheart deal. I think that's part of the reason that the NFL is A, going to go after him further and will appeal this suspension. And B, I think it's also part of the reason that Deshaun Watson signed with the Browns because they were willing to structure a new contract like Thanks. that. So my feeling is, is that the NFL is going to go after its pound of flesh and they want his entire million dollar contract this year or his entire million dollar base salary this year. And they don't want him playing football in Houston. Yeah, and it's really curious. I mean, that, that's a, that's a great point you make. And and if that is the case, it, I, you know, what do you do about Jimmy? I, I think that you know clearly this deal, the way it's laid out, and what you've just explained, kind of kind of says through action and the way it's structured that Jimmy Haslam feels like, hey, Deshaun, you got railroaded. Let me take care of you because I can. So if you're the NFL, there's, I, I mean, obviously there's not much you're going to do with Jimmy, but I just think, again, I'm just going to keep saying it, you can make an example out of Deshaun Watson and there's really nothing he can do about it. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I think it is, it's incredible. It, it is incredible. Giggity, uh, whoa, comment dump. Giggity says the NFL won't appeal. They don't really care about women. Look how they drag their feet with that uh, slime ball, Dan Snyder. Well, and that's part of the thing here. Yeah. Is that, Dan Snyder still owns the Washington Commanders. And Dan Snyder... <laughs> Dan Snyder was allowed to dodge a subpoena from Congress with no penalty. Dan Snyder was allowed to only testify in Congress by video of his own volition so that it, it was... Well, 
you, I was not subpoenaed. I, I testified willingly. Do you guys know that happened with Dan Snyder? The only reason that Dan Snyder agreed to testify is because he said, I'm doing it willingly. Dan Snyder did not want the stigma of dodging a congressional subpoena, even though he dodged a congressional subpoena yeah. by living on a boat in the middle of, of the ocean so that he could not be served. That's what NFL owners do. They get privilege. They get a pass. That's that's the way the NFL works. They're billionaires. They're sheltered. Absolutely, Deshaun Watson. There, I I would be shocked if the NFL did not appeal this suspension. Yeah, I'd be shocked. My gut is, and what my my opinion is, is that Roger Goodell is going to suspend him for the entire year. They will appeal. Roger Goodell, by the way, is the arbitrator in those appeals. He's the decision maker. They will appeal. Roger Goodell will rule and suspend Deshaun Watson for an entire year, in my opinion. Yeah. I just think that's the way this is going to go. And frankly, I don't, I, I, I would be surprised if it went any other way. A drinking and cigar journey with Eric Lethem gives us a uh, $3 tip this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, let's see. James Knight says, uh, wake me up once we begin the sports chat. Okay, great. We'll okay. see you in a while. We'll see you in a while, I guess. I don't, is this not sports? chat i don't know tanner Plummer says i remember the eagles being interested in watson watson this past offseason boy am i glad they didn't make that deal i would agree with that i just think you know the more i think about it the more i feel like the browns are counting on us all forgetting this in like two seasons you know if you think about it you know we've kareem hunt is perfectly fine right like you know these other guys you know ezekiel Elliott's completely fine kareem hunt on tape kicking a woman yeah just fine in the lobby the of a hotel Ezekiel Elliott, star back for the, the Dallas Cowboys, accused of essentially holding a woman against her will in, in, a, in an apartment. and Like, heinous crimes against women. Yeah. No, no, no penalties, really. No punishments of any kind. And now just living their best life, you know, on hard knocks, uh, getting paid. Like, this is what I mean. I, I, I truly feel like the Browns are counting on us just forgetting and just moving on. I think so. And that's why I think ultimately the, the NFL, not that that's probably a consideration for them, but I think that's another reason why he should get a year so that people don't forget. Yeah. Uh, interesting. A drinking game with uh, a drinking and cigar journey with Eric Leatham says Deshaun Watson is a great QB. When you have all this money, what makes him do something like this? I. It, why do powerful men always wind up falling at the feet of, of sex. Because when you women. have all that money, money is not a consideration for you. You don't, it's not like you're saying, oh yeah, well, damn, I'm going to lose a million bucks this year. <laughs> I got 229 more though. Like he doesn't care. It doesn't matter, you know? And, and that's the thing. These guys think they can do whatever they want. And Ooh. that's just not the case. Ryan Skandura says, I think that's true about his legacy being tarnished. Ben Roethlisberger was celebrated. The league didn't uh, care about his accusations. You see no. what I mean? Um, and if you don't remember, Ben Raplisberger, excuse me, Ben Roethlisberger, the, yes, now, yes, yes. the now retired uh, king of thickness at quarterback, uh, was accused by multiple women in, of sexual assault in a bar in a college town. I mean, just terrible accusations. And really nothing was ever done about it. Nothing was ever done about it. Uh, Ryan Buckley, good morning too. He says, all athletes are privileged. Look at Brittany Griner. Went to Russia on more than one occasion and brought drugs, caught. Well, okay, she didn't bring drugs. She had cannabis oil. 
which she had a prescription for, but which is illegal in in Russia. Um, I think Brittany Griner would have gotten caught for something. They were looking for somebody. They, uh, so I don't know that I would go that far. I really don't think I'd go that far. Mike Maple says, too bad the Browns aren't on hard knocks this year. Seriously. Seriously. Uh, Compass just keeps trying. He says, Knicks. You know, we'll get there eventually. Like, is this, so let me ask you this. Is this not a big story? I'm amazed by the fact that so many people are like, nah, not a big story. Not surprised. This is no big thing. Like, Out of 10 in the comments, how important is this story to you and your sports fandom? I think it's a huge story. Yeah, I mean, I think it's super important. I mean, yeah, obviously, we've got a whole conversation we're going to have uh, on on the New York Knicks and the Utah Jazz, obviously. Um, but this is breaking news. We've been waiting for this for weeks, for year, for a, a year at this point. Like, we've been yeah. speculating on this for a long time, and, I, and I, I just think it matters. I think that it would be... We would be doing it injustice not to not to talk about it when it comes out five minutes before the show starts. You know, obviously we talk a lot of basketball on this channel, but when this type of thing comes out, you have to talk about it. So I I appreciate everybody here for Nick's Jazz, but this is something that's important in my opinion. But may, hey, maybe I'm wrong. Like in the comments, let us know. Yeah, let's see. Um, so let's run through them. They're actually dropping numbers for you, Jake. Dax Johnson, good morning. Dax says five. Okay. Uh, Clutch Kicks says seven. Okay. Uh, main event, 628, says about a three. So not as important. Mr. Vargas says a seven. More important. Strange Clouds says a four. Again, not as important. Dax revises and says maybe a six. Cohen Wiley says two. Okay. Two? Uh, Tanner Plummer says this story is a 10 out of 10 for me, but you're also a huge football fan. Uh, Dop Hop says it's top. T- it's a top 10 story. You know, okay. Uh, Sean Mirzinski says, I mean, it's important, but not a shock. That's the thing. Well, that's probably true. But I think, but here's the thing. Yeah, you're totally right. It's not a shock, but, but I think I, we're not sitting here saying it's shocking. What we're, no. what we're saying is that, is that this conversation in, in really in sports overall, like, Setting the correct precedent, sending the right message, that's what what really matters. Like, I look at, you know, a, 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 a similar sort of situation, if you will, from a media standpoint, is this LIV PGA thing and, and everything that's gone down with that. Like, that type of thing, when your reputation's on the line, when your image is on the line as a league, I think it's really important to talk about it. When Tiger Woods was, was banging per- Perkins waitresses out back, like, we were all talking about it for good reason. He lost sponsorship over this. He lost uh, a, a, a massive amount in his image over it. Like, I just think that when when male athletes who are massive stars, which Deshaun Watson definitely was, when they do things against women like this, you can't just skip over it. I, I just don't think that's a, the right thing to do. No, I, I, would, I would totally agree with that. I just... I think it is a I think it is a a big big deal. Barfing chicken says seven. Yeah. Dax Johnson says, okay, Jake, you talked me into a solid seven. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Yes. Okay. DJ Lopez says people probably aren't surprised because it's nothing new in the NFL. They always drop the ball on things like this. Good lord. Yes, they do. But have they dropped the ball on this particular one yet? Because I feel like Right now, they haven't dropped the ball yet. I'm surprised. You know what I'm surprised about? If we're gonna if we're gonna say that they dropped the ball, I'm surprised the NFL hasn't done anything yet. Like I'm surprised that the NFL essentially took no action early on in this case. They didn't put him on the administrative list. They didn't take him off the field. Nothing. 
You had multiple women early in this case. It was seven, then 10, then 15, now 20. And the NFL never took him off the field or kept him away. How is he on the practice field with the Cleveland Browns when all of this is still pending and you know what he did and you allowed him to settle? How did you not take him off the field while this was being adjudicated by this arbiter? That, uh, That to me is what's surprising, that the NFL didn't do more earlier when you knew what was going on. Yeah, I think that's always been the disappointing part about the NFL. They've never been a proactive league, and this is one of my main gripes with specifically with Roger Goodell and the ownership group. They've never been a proactive league. They've always been a reactive league. Hey, let's allow... Let's allow Deshaun for years on end to fly all these women out, to do all these heinous things. And you knew because yes. the Texans were dirt yes. bags. Yes. You knew. They had dirt on Deshaun. You knew yes. what he was doing. Why else would you have settled that case? But we're going to let him keep doing it. And then once it comes out publicly, we're going to ruin this guy's uh, legacy, reputation, his image. We're going to handle it that way. And then we're also going to let the the image of the league take a beating as well in that process. That's what I've always had an issue with. Uh, Big Dog O-Town gives us a $5 tip. Big Dog, what's up? Good to see you. He says, some powerful men have protection, whereas uh, others don't. Far out being powerful, y'all know what's up. I Well, money is not power. Money is the access to power. Money is the access to influence. You have to have Bob Kraft is powerful. Right. Deshaun Watson is not. Deshaun Watson, and I know this is probably going to piss a lot of people off, but Deshaun Watson is a young black man who works at the whim of powerful older white men mm-hmm. who are billionaires. Deshaun Watson's a millionaire who plays in a league owned by billionaires. Yeah. Let's not forget that. He is a young black man, and in my opinion, he made some really stupid choices and committed heinous acts against women. Six games is not enough. Six games is not enough, in my opinion. But Deshaun Watson forgot who he was and where he was. Yeah, and, and this in this angle, not to cut you off, but this angle. So I've uh, Caitlin Collins, a CNN reporter, is retweeting something that Clay Travis had said. The whole oh, the whole geez. Calvin Ridley. Angle, So I think the Calvin Ridley thing, my point with that is it's just getting a lot of traction. I think a lot of people are frustrated, like Tanner was, that Calvin Ridley got an entire year for $1,500 on gambling, and Deshaun's got six games. But that's on paper. It is. and that's But see, that's a great point. That's a great point. The rule is in place. That's a great point. The rule is in place. Yep. We haven't suspended anybody in baseball for steroids. Pete Rose has never been back in the game since his gambling suspension. Facts. It's on paper. Yeah. That's the rule. Yep. What rule says Deshaun Watson, hey, you get this many games for doing... Where's the rule in the rule book that says, hey, when you have 25 civil lawsuits against you for sexual assault, that, yeah, well, that's six games. Well, and I think, you know, the the one rule that people reference is the, the, you know, violating the personal conduct policy in the NFL. I believe the rule says it's a minimum of six games, I think. Uh, I'd have to verify that, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And that's the trouble with this. Like, that's why I say Roger Goodell has a responsibility here. You can't just let it be six games. Like, that's not good enough. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Again, um, just to recap before we get to Nixon Jazz here, um, Deshaun Watson suspended six games 
um, for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy this morning by the, um, I don't know, in, what would you say? Independent arbiter. In independent yeah. arbiter. Chosen this this former federal judge was chosen by both the NFLPA and the NFL. They agreed to have her as the arbitrator in this case. Um, she ruled this morning that Deshaun Watson will be suspended six games uh, to start the season. Those six games are at Carolina, home for the Jets and Steelers. That Steelers game is a Thursday night football game on Amazon. Uh, at the Falcons, home for the Chargers, home for the Patriots. Deshaun Watson, as of today, uh, will return week seven at the Baltimore Ravens. Um, it is widely expected that NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell will, in fact, appeal this suspension, um, which is perfectly within his right or the NFLPA's right to do. The issue is, is that Roger Goodell is the final decision maker on all appeals. So if it is appealed, if the NFL owners decide to appeal, Roger Goodell will make the decision. Yeah. And it is widely expected the NFL will appeal and Deshaun Watson will be suspended for the 2022 season because December 4th, the Cleveland Browns traveled to Houston to take on the Texans. Yeah. And the NFL does not want Deshaun Watson playing in that game. So it is widely agreed or believed that Roger Goodell and the owners will appeal and Roger Goodell will suspend Deshaun Watson for the season. We'll see if that plays out. That's the biggest story in sports this morning. Welcome to the show. Appreciate you guys being here. Um, please, if you're here right now, give us a thumbs up. Um, it really helps the channel grow. I want to remind everybody um, that we are sending a listener and a friend, a listener plus one. <laughs> um, to Las Vegas to see BYU take on Notre Dame in the Shamrock Series. It is all presented to you by Devery Davis and Academy Mortgage. Um, we're going to talk a lot of mortgage later in the show. Mortgage rates are way down. They plummeted Thursday and Friday. Call Devery Davis today at Academy Mortgage, 801-543-9666, NMLS number 278545. Devery Davis and Academy Mortgage are equal housing lenders. I'm telling you, Devery Davis is the guy you want to talk to about your mortgage. Yep. Whether you're here, New York, Zimbabwe, call Devery Davis today, 801-543-9666. Tell him you heard it from Monty. Tell him Monty told you to call. Mortgage rates plummeted. They are low. Yes, you can afford to buy a house. Yes, there is inventory. If you don't have cash for a down payment, Devery Davis and Academy Mortgage have programs for you to get you into a mortgage that you can afford that you deserve for you and your family. Call them today, 801-543-9666. And how about our good friends at Barbecue Pit Stop, now on board the show. Welcome our newest partners in Logan, Lehigh, Layton, Salt Lake City, and St. George. BBQPitStop.com, September 17th. Be there or be square. We are going to have a viewing party at the Barbecue Pit Stop in Lehigh. Uh, we'll have a TV there. We're going to have a bunch of wings and pizza there. And at halftime of the BYU-Oregon game, September 17th, we will pull the winner of the trip for two to see BYU and Notre Dame October 7th and 8th in Las Vegas. You get two nights at the Palm, two tickets to the game, and a $250 gas card to get you there. It is the BYU-Notre Dame Shamrock Series Driveaway presented by Devery Davison Academy Mortgage and our good friends at Barbecue. Pit stop. Yes! My guy.
Welcome to the Let's show. Let's go. Really appreciate uh, Devery Davis. Really appreciate Academy Mortgage and Barbecue Pit Stop. But again, you guys, you know the way the show works. Um, we need you to, to, to give your business to our advertisers. We need you to go and see the guys at Barbecue Pit Stop. Every barbecue pit stop location, and let me make sure that we put that up on the uh, up on the screen here for you. Logan, Lehigh, Layton, Salt Lake City, and St. George. Um, every one of those stores today will have a box. There's already one at Lehigh. Uh, this morning, we will have one at, at uh, Murray and Layton and Logan for you. All you have to do is go in, fill out a slip, drop it in the box to enter the to win the prize for the BYU Notre Dame driveaway. It's at every barbecue pit stop store in the Valley. Make sure you go and say, hey, I found out about you guys on the Monty Show. Whether you need spices, whether you need a grill, a smoker, you name it, barbecue pit stops got it. Um, there is a box on every counter of the barbecue pit stops here in the Valley. Go and fill it out. Drop a slip in the box. That's the way the show works. Um, we need you guys to support our, um, our advertisers so we can continue to talk jazz and Knicks. Let's get you the very latest on that because as we reported about two weeks ago now, the New York Knicks have been incredibly frustrated with Danny Ainge and the Utah Jazz. Mainly that Danny Ainge has not come off of his negotiating point. Um, that he wants six first round picks and he wants three young players and he has asked for quickly Grimes, McBride, and Toppin. Uh, and a veteran to make the salaries work, as well as six first-round picks. That has been a non-starter for Leon Rose and the New York Knicks. And the Knicks have become frustrated and essentially said, we're not going to continue negotiating. The Knicks have walked away from the Jazz for the time being. Right. It was described to me by NBA sources over the weekend that that does not mean this deal is not ever going to happen. But at this moment in time, the New York Knicks are on to bigger and better things because they have a lot of work to do on their roster and frankly, I think they know that Danny Ainge is not out trying to trade Donovan Mitchell to anybody that will take him. Danny Ainge has a price that he has put on, on Donovan Mitchell. And right now with the Knicks, it's six first-round picks. And Jake, I think rightly so, Leon Rose is not willing to spend that kind of bread. Yeah, you know, I think the the thing with with the New York Knicks and the Utah Jazz is that you know, this is the classic negotiation, right? Where one side and Danny Ainge has a price and he's not coming off it and the Knicks have, have what they'd like to pay for Donovan Mitchell and they're not going to compromise. And and I think that, you know, again, we've been saying this consistently through all the people saying, oh, we're getting taxis being traded to national people saying Donovan Mitchell is getting traded. We've been telling you that this negotiation is not going to be easy, that this negotiation is going to be long-winded. We've also been telling you that while Donovan Mitchell may not get traded today or tomorrow, that the likelihood is he will be traded at some point down the line. And I think that's the, that is the fabric of this conversation. For Danny Ainge and the Utah Jazz, how are you going about this? Because if you know at the deadline, let's say, that you're going to try to trade Donovan Mitchell, well, how does that impact your decision-making right now? Because so far, to this point in the NBA offseason, Danny Ainge has run the league. He broke the league with the Rudy Gobert trade. He's likely set the bar for value with that trade and then also with you know what is known as the price for Donovan Mitchell. So that's why I say Danny Ainge is a wizard at this. Danny Ainge has been dominating the league this offseason, and I think if you're a Utah Jazz fan, the concern shouldn't be, hey, are we going to trade Donovan Mitchell? The concern should be, how does this team shape up heading into camp? What, like, Let's say that the Jazz are a three seed at the deadline. Let's just say they get crazy. They go, they go ham this season. 
Do you still trade Donovan Mitchell at the deadline? That's what I think the conversation is for the Utah Jazz right now. Well, and the other thing I think you have to consider is that Danny Ainge has not moved off of this one bit. And as we reported two weeks ago, the Knicks became frustrated. And I think the reason this is a topic of conversation now is because it's not just a couple of hacks on YouTube. Yeah, those little guys over there, you know. Shams Tarania uh, of The Athletic also over the weekend reported that the Knicks became frustrated with the Utah Jazz and their unwillingness <laughs> to deal. Twitter's been going crazy. I believe that was on Friday he reported that. And that uh, the Knicks and Jazz, I know this is a shocker, <laughs> the Knicks and Jazz haven't been talking lately. <laughs> oh, that's the wrong laugh. I need this one. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And, and again, all, all I can say is we rely on some sources that are very high up in the Jazz organization and some sources that are very high up around the NBA. We have to have we happen to have very close relationships on the New York basketball scene. That's why we've been able to stay on top of this story. And hey from guys. what I understand and what sources have told me, I mean, the, the tipping point here is that the Knicks are at four first-round picks and two players. The Jazz have not even entertained that conversation. Leon Rose has, has in my opinion, done a very good job here. Yes, he has. Um, like the R.J. Barrett story that we reported, interestingly enough. Again, Jake, get the last one. I don't, I don't know how this always happens. You here's, know? here's some news from, from Shams and the Insiders. The Utah Jazz are not interested in R.J. Barrett. <laughs> as we reported two weeks ago because <laughs> the jazz don't want to pay to extend rj barrett on a max contract yes the knicks would have included rj barrett or were open to it mm -hmm. and as shams reported over the weekend the utah jazz are not interested in julius randall <laughs> as we reported two weeks ago and none, none of this has changed. And I, I think this is why you, you have to temper all of these rumors. You know, the guys in town that, here in Salt Lake that were like, oh, the trade is imminent. imminent. My phone is blowing up. Oh, somehow I told you so. As we said at that time, we did not believe the trade was close. Yeah. And the story that we, we were told 10 days ago now was that the Knicks and the Jazz had at one point gone to the league and said, okay, how many of these draft picks are actually allowable in trade? That's how complex this is. I just want to take yeah. a moment on that one point. That's how complex this negotiation is. You've got the Utah Jazz and the New York Knicks going to the league office asking, hey, how many of these are actually available? Just so we can understand. Like, you know, because you start getting into like unprotected, protected, you know, uh, future trade swap. Like it starts getting very, very complicated. So I just, I just hope people understand just how complex this is. Yeah, I do. Uh, Raptor eighty eight. Good morning to you. He tips us five dollars. Appreciate that. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, says good morning, guys. Finally made it to a live show. Raptor eighty eight. Go, baby. Good, good to see you. Welcome my to friend. the show. Um, the Nye guy says there's a huge difference between trying to trade and listening to offers. I think that's a very good point. Excellent point. Um, because as, as we've been telling you for over a year now, the Jazz are not trying to trade Donovan Mitchell. Mm -hmm. Before the Gobert trade was made, the day that Danny Ainge took over last December, we told you sources that the Jazz were telling us, they went to Donovan Mitchell and they told him, hey, we're going to build this team around you. We're going to remake the roster. To play to your strengths, we're going to trade Rudy Gobert and build this team around Donovan Mitchell. Hey, look here, man. That's exactly what they did. 
the only reason that we are having this conversation about the Knicks is because the Knicks made an offer to as a starting point that Danny Ainge can't re refuse to listen to. I mean, they have been persistent. The Knicks have been calling the Jazz on Donovan Mitchell back to the, the, the trade deadline. Yeah. They have been looking for Don. That deal wasn't close at the trade deadline. Then when the, the, the summer started, the, the Knicks came back to the Jazz and offered four first-round unprotected picks as a starting point. But the Jazz wanted six, and they wanted quickly. They wanted Grimes. They wanted McBride. They wanted Obi Toppin. They need a veteran player to complete the trade for salary matching. Right. The Knicks were never going to do that. And they've gone back and forth. And I think one of the things that's very clear, according to my sources, is that Leon Rose has made multiple offers of varying degrees with different players. He initially offered Julius Randle. Danny Ainge said, I'm not interested in Julius Randle. So they pulled Julius Randle out of those trades. And that's where, in my opinion, at least from what I'm told, that's where Obi Toppin was inserted. And that, hey, okay, well, you're not interested in, in Julius Randle. Let's play Obi Toppin, Emmanuel quickly, Cam Reddish and four first round picks. Danny Ainge said, no, that's not nearly enough. That's pretty much self-explanatory. Danny Ainge, by the way, other sources have been, have been reporting that eight picks were asked for. From what my sources are telling me, eight draft picks were never talked about. It was six first round picks, pick swaps, and four players. That's what Danny Ainge has asked for from the very beginning of these mm -hmm. conversations, and he has not come off of that. And then he made the Gobert trade, and he's not come off of that. So get your facts straight. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes, but if you ask me here now today, I think the Knicks are on to other business from what I understand. And if you wonder about our sources in New York, we were the first ones that had that Kyrie Irving was interested in the Lakers yep. and that he wanted to go to Miami or the Lakers. And the only reason, you know, that Kyrie wanted to go to Miami was for the income tax breaks that he would get, which would allow him to sign for less money because taxes in New York and Los Angeles, California, are much, much higher. So Kyrie was willing to take less money to get out of Brooklyn, end up in Miami. Miami doesn't have nearly the package to get. Yeah. And to your point about Danny Ainge breaking the NBA, this thing with Kevin Durant mm. is that Sean Marks and Joe Sy, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, want a haul for Kevin Durant. They want more than what the Jazz got for Rudy Gobert. And frankly, there's just not very many teams, even in a two or three or four team deal, that can provide those kind of assets I want it. to make that deal happen especially when you know that Kevin Durant wanted Phoenix. The minute DeAndre Ayton signed that offer, ship, uh, that offer sheet with Indiana, those, those deals were done. Yeah. And Phoenix was essentially out of the process. So I think it becomes very interesting. And I, I don't know, and this could just be me, I don't know if you're the New York Knicks, I don't know where you turn now because you have to, you have to make, I think you have to make a deal to add to what you've done because now you've spent more money than you could than you probably should have if you weren't going to add a star. Right. Right. I mean, Leon Rose isn't investing in a Jalen Brunson to be his best player, right? You're going to have to extend RJ Barrett. That's a lot of money that you're going to put into this team to be a a, a seventh, eighth, nine, tenth team in the East. Like, you you can't do that. Well, and what are we hearing now out of Brooklyn? I also think this is super important. We've heard a couple of things over the weekend. 
One, now we're getting reports saying Kevin Durant, quote, is not wired for sitting out the entire year if he's not traded. And then you get, you know, Ben Simmons teammates, specifically Seth Curry, saying that he doesn't think Ben Simmons needs needs to focus on a jump shot, that that Ben Simmons needs to focus on what he's good at, which is defense, rebounding, playing in transition, and attacking the basket. So the more the days go by, as we've been saying again, the more the days go by, the more and more it's likely that nothing will happen in Brooklyn. That if anything happens, it will be very low-level trades, bench guys, or like you know that type of yes. deal. So that's why I say, like it or hate it, it. I know we get a lot of Knicks fans in the comments, even for Utah Jazz fans. Danny Ainge is in control, and you need to be patient because I'm telling you, when trades do happen, there will be a lot of guys moving. Yep, totally agree with that. Let's get some of your comments in here. Cash out, James. Cash. Says RJ was never available in the first place. I got news for you. I got news for you. The New York Knicks were willing to talk RJ Barrett for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. There is, there is, I have been told that. Who wouldn't do that though? I've been told that by three separate sources in different places, not related to each other that they were talking R.J. Barrett. So you can sit here and say that R.J. Barrett wasn't available, and if you want to believe that, hey, man, I, I, let's let's negotiate. I'll, I'll give you the Brooklyn Bridge for $500. I'm sorry if you're right? offended by I that. I mean, like, because that's that. I'm telling you, he was available. The biggest question on R.J. Barrett is R.J. Barrett worth a max extension. Mm. Somebody's going to give it to him. Just like somebody gave it to DeAndre Ayton in, in Indiana, somebody's going to give it to R.J. Barrett. And if it's not the Knicks, it, I can tell you now, it's not going to be the Utah Jazz. Yeah. I At this point, it would be a stunning reversal if the Jazz traded for R.J. Barrett. I just don't, I don't see it that doesn't happening. doesn't fit in. But now, guys, there's, there's a huge difference between trying to trade and listening to offers, correct? Cohen Wiley says, Kurt Valenti, so I'm like guessing you're not a Jazz fan. I miss what Kurt said. Kurt said, um, Mitchell will demand a trade to the Knicks. The Jazz roster absolutely stinks. Angels in full tank mode. I totally disagree. Yeah, you have no. I mean, with all due respect, you just don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't see the. I don't see that the Jazz are in full tank mode. Uh, I I don't. Which is another narrative that that we've dispelled several times. Everybody said, "Oh, well, when when they traded Rudy Gobert, oh, they're rebuilding, they're tearing it down, they're trading Don." That's not what's happening here. We need to be on the same page about that. Well, I would also go back to the day they traded July first, the day they traded Rudy Gobert. They were moments moments the Utah Jazz were moments from acquiring DeAndre Ayton it was they were very close on that deal and it just didn't happen and I think that it tells you the Jazz are in in the catbird seat here the Jazz can go on any way they want to go if they want to go into a full tank mode which I don't think that's what you're doing here um, because I think they know they're not going to get VW they're not going to likely have the number one pick I, yeah. I, I, I think they know that yeah I think what you're watching the Utah Jazz do right now is the Utah Jazz are trying to be just good enough. They're trying to be just good enough. And I think at the deadline, they're going to evaluate this this team again. What do you think just good enough for the Utah Jazz is? I think, I mean, if you go to camp with what you have right now, if you start the season with what you have right now, certainly you are not good enough. They don't have a big of note. They need a big, they need a four, they need a power forward. They need to trade Boyan Bogdanovich and Mike Conley. Facts. But if you go to camp with those guys and you you sign centers, mm-hmm. it, it, I mean, it, it, if Kofi Coburn's your starting center, you're in trouble. If you get a center of note, let's say you bring back Hassan Whiteside. 
Yeah. This team is still going to score a ton of points. I mean, even if you keep Bogdanovich and Conley and you're starting Don, Bogey, and Conley together, that's still a very formidable combination. And let's not forget, you have a Jared Vanderbilt. Let's mm-hmm. not forget that you, that you have a Malik Beasley. Yep. You're going to shoot the three really well. You are going to run the floor very well. Yeah. The problem is you're not able to stop anybody. No, I guess not. That's the biggest issue. For me, I don't think you can bring back Bogdanovich and Conley. I think Bogey's going to get traded. I think Bogey is in demand around the league. And so I, my Bojan. feeling is, yeah, my feeling is Bojan gets traded. Uh, Joe Oliver says, hey, Monty, wondering if you follow the NHL at all. I do. I love hockey. I have to be honest with you, but this is not a hockey town uh, to that level where you're covering the NHL. I am a huge Chicago Blackhawk fan. Yeah. Huge. Born and raised in Chicago. The Patrick Kane odd angle shot to win the Stanley Cup was one of the best moments I've ever had with that team. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the best thing that I can say about being a, yeah, you know. Yeah, being a being a, a Chicago Blackhawk fan is is not fun. Uh, let's see. Top Junkie says, here we go, Knicks fans. Oh, wait, nothing to talk about. You see what I mean? You know. Uh, let's see. Militant youth, youth Sound says, the price will go down. I don't know. Why would Danny Ainge lower his price? I think here's the problem for teams like the Knicks and everybody else that's trying to acquire Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Donovan Mitchell is going to show up, and I think he's going to score 30 points a game. Because from what we've seen outside of the hoops bus, where <laughs> there's a there is a community empowerment, you know, charity called the Hoops Bus, and Donovan Mitchell was playing basketball on, in literally on a street with the Hoops Bus, and he missed two of three jump shots, and people are like, "Oh, it shots broke." It's your worst nightmare if you're an NBA player. Yeah. But I think Don's going to score up. It's going to show up and score thirty points a game. And if that happens, the price doesn't go up or the price doesn't go down. It goes up exponentially. <laughs> NY Jazz fan says, sometimes you have to tell the ugly girls, the Knicks, you are busy, not interested, multiple times before she gets the point. Well, we'll see. I I, I think the, the Jazz are interested at six picks and four players. I think, I think Danny Ainge, and this is a credit to Ryan Smith as well. He deserves a lot of credit for it. Ryan Smith made a great choice bringing in Danny Ainge. I don't, I don't really yes, give a damn did. if they're best friends or not. Ryan Smith made a business decision in bringing in Danny Ainge, and Danny Ainge has put himself in the prime position for the way he likes to operate. And that's that. That's all you could ask for if you're if you're a Utah Jazz fan. And and that's why I say if I'm if I'm the Heat, if I'm the Knicks, if I'm Charlotte, if I'm any of these other teams. I'm not going to play around with Danny Ainge for months on end. Like, I, I, if I were them, knowing how Danny Ainge operates, I would go to him and I would say, hey, this is what we're willing to offer. You want it or you don't? Nah, I think I'm going to pass. All right, we'll see you. Yeah. Like, you don't have time to sit here and meddle. No, I don't think you do. Uh, Top Junkie says, I hope uh, Leon is talking to Boston regarding Jalen Brown. I don't think Boston, this is that same situation. Is Boston really trying to trade Jalen Brown? Well, if you're going to give me Kevin Durant, but if you're going to give me who from the Knicks is getting you Jalen Brown? I mean, I, I don't know. Is Brad Stevens the same savvy negotiator that Danny Ainge is? Probably not. But that's a Danny Ainge guy in Brad Stevens. Do you really think the Knicks have what it takes to get Jalen Brown for less than what the Jazz are asking for Donovan Mitchell? Jalen Brown's played in the NBA Finals now. You, you 
Do you think that price tag's lower? Yeah, and I guess the question if you're Leon Rose is, is like, generally speaking, not even just with the Utah Jazz, but generally speaking, how much are you willing to give up to get a guy like Don or Jalen or, you know, whoever that name is? If That's I'm the, the question. Knicks, I'm not willing to give up. See, I, I'd trade R.J. Barrett to get Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. If I could. The, the Jazz aren't interested in that. If I'm the Knicks... I am willing to give up Cam Reddish or Evan Fournier. That's a no-brainer. You're doing that. But who of these young players do you value? I frankly don't think I would trade quickly. I I, I don't. I I I view him and Tyrese Maxey. I, I think they're upside. I love both those guards. That I mean, those are two guys I wouldn't trade. But if, if I'm the Knicks, I'm trading Obi Toppin. I, mm-hmm. I I am. He's a guy, in my opinion, he is. Is he special or unique? Not yet. I think Obi Toppin's a good player who has ceiling. I don't think he's anything special at the moment. I don't. But could he as be? Tony, yeah, as Tony Jones from The Athletic pointed out a couple of weeks ago, he was fabulous the last month of the season. But before that, he was an enigma. I'm trading Obi Toppin. Mm-hmm. I, am, I, am, I am a little reticent to trade, to trade Quentin Grimes. I think that kid's a stud. Yeah. Are we clear on that? He's him and quickly are guys that would not be willing to trade. The Knicks are not under any pressure to win. This is the thing that you also have to remember. They're under no pressure to win. Nobody expects the Knicks to be good or compete at the top of the East. Nobody. It's completely opposite on the other side of town in Brooklyn. Totally different. The Knicks are under no delusions of grandeur here. You are what you are. And by the way, if you trade for Donovan Mitchell, you're not going to be a, a, a contender in the East. But the expectations would change. The expectations would go up. But this is why I ask, why did you sign Jalen Brunson? Why? Jalen Brunson has not proven to be the guy. You gave him the guy money. Well, I think so. I think that's a really interesting point. Like, like the thing with Jalen is I think his performance in the postseason when Luka was out got teams like the Knicks or those fringe playoff teams interested because what did he do in those games against the Utah Jazz in that series when Luka was out Jalen had big night after big night so I think a lot of people were saying hey in small sample size this guy has proven that he could be a guy but I tend to agree with you I don't really care about small sample size I want to know over 75 games right can you give me like for Jalen could you give me 25 a night over 75 games well he hasn't proven that but he hasn't had the opportunity to prove that so that is a very New York Knicks deal, in my opinion. You're taking a risk on Jalen Brunson. There's no doubt about that. Yep, I would agree. Uh, Rudy Sanchez so, says, so with Mitchell most likely staying, now any known trades to make this team around Mitchell? I, Well, I think you have to... There's some question. I think Malik Beasley is a guy that you have to look at to be traded. I think Malik Beasley, that guy can knock down the three. So I think I, I think the three the three guys you're really looking at, you're gonna trade Pat Bevan when he's eligible to be traded at yeah. the end of the month. You're gonna trade Patrick Beverly. I think you're gonna trade Bogey and, and Conley. You, you have to get Conley's money off your books. Yeah. That was a huge mistake. And I think Boyan Bogdanovich has value around the league. And I think if you can get a, a crazy deal for Don, I think you would probably do that. But I don't believe, at least not from what I've been told. I don't believe or have any reason to believe the Jazz are tanking. 
I, I, I just don't. I don't think that's what they're doing. Hell no. I really don't. Big Dog O-Town says, uh, I think Beverly can be a good influence on the Don on the defensive side. I don't think he ever gets the chance. I really don't. He's just too valuable to keep him. That, and I know that sounds crazy, but but he's one of those guys that you're going to move because you can get you know, you know, can get a first-round pick for him. Valenti says three-seed. Are you nuts? I don't think the Jazz are a three-seed. No, but that's not... Okay, that's not what I said. I didn't say that, hey, I think they're a three seed. What I said was, is let's say they go crazy. Let's say that they were a three seed or a five seed or you were you had home court advantage somehow. I didn't say that they were, that I thought they would be a three seed. My example was, hey, if you're winning and you're winning at a really high level with Don and everybody the, else, right before the right deadline. before the deadline, that makes your life really difficult because yes, you're going to get offers. People are going to want Donovan Mitchell. I never said that they were going to be a three seed. I think if you are, and let's not forget the the trade deadline is before the All-Star game this year. Another consideration. I think if you go to camp with Don, you're almost certainly going to keep him for this season because it, I, I just don't think that it makes sense to have him in training camp and then trade him at the deadline right before the All-Star game. I, I, I just don't think that makes sense yeah. at all. Uh, Robert Lambert says the Jazz would uh, score likely crazy with the roster as is, 130 points a night. I don't know about that. But they would, they'll would they score fine. But de- defense will be their issue. Brandon Whiteside says if the Kings would give up Keegan Murray, well, Keegan Murray just had wrist surgery, by the way. Uh, Damian Mitchell, a vet, and two or three picks, I would do that over the Knicks trash any day. No, not no way. No, thanks. If you want to give me the Knicks picks, the, I, I mean, quickly, Grimes, McBride, every day. every That that group of players is not trash in any way, shape, or form. Oh, man. I mean, Look at the comments, bro. We got some bot action happening. Oh, bot the action. Bots are back, bro. Bot action. Damn. Let me, let me go ahead and handle that. I'm handle. Let's see when your show gets big enough, man. Yeah, people start coming after you. You get this, you get this bot action up in this oh, M. You know yeah, it. I just think that. Look, I I think that for the Utah Jazz, there's no rush or emphasis to trade Donovan Mitchell. I think you have to listen to offers that are just so far out there that you'd be stupid not to listen. And that's what we've been saying for a couple of weeks now, man. And I just think that it hasn't changed. And and I think that. If Don were to get traded before camp gets here, it's going to be for a haul. But again, as the whole point of this conversation where this all began, if you're just joining, is the New York Knicks have walked away frustrated with the Utah Jazz and Danny Ainge. Yes. And you kind of understand why. But at the same time, I've also been saying, if you're Leon Rose and the New York Knicks, don't be an idiot. You know what the price is. You know what the bar is that Danny Ainge has set. So offering you know, a couple picks less and a player short, that's not going to get it. That's not going to get it done. So on one hand, I understand why you're frustrated, but on the other hand, I just don't think you you should be frustrated with it. That's that's kind of my thing, and I think that that Danny Ainge has done a wonderful job in this situation. I I, I think he understands first of all where they are. I think secondly, he understands where he wants the Utah Jazz to go, and that's why this whole concept of hey, the Jazz traded Rudy Gobert, they're rebuilding. It just doesn't work into the logic here and the path. Why would the the Utah Jazz fully burn this thing down and rebuild just because you moved Gobert's contract off the books? It was a bad contract. He did not deserve 23% of your salary cap. That just didn't make a lot of sense. I agree. Uh, Jay Deals Direct says, who else is scoring 20-plus points on the Jazz besides Donovan? 
Uh, certainly Jordan Clarkson, um, who already does that. I think Boyan Bogdanovich, if he were here, certainly would do that. Um, I think you look at I, I think you look at their their other guys. I mean, it's just a matter of of understanding what what is Walker Kessler. What is what are you getting from Mike Conley if he stays? What are you getting from Malik Beasley if he stays? You know, like in this offense, in my guesses, based on what I've been told, they're going to be a running gun offense. They're going to shoot threes. They're going to run. They're going to be really focused on getting out on the break. I think I think you Donovan. That's why I say Donovan Mitchell is going to score thirty. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell's not going to score twenty. They're going to he's going to score thirty. He's going to get to that next level. Yeah, I I I I, I mean, and that's something that I think that a lot of people aren't talking about either, both locally and nationally. Quinn Snyder's offense suffocated Don in in many different ways, and I think that when you play that running gun, get out and transition style of basketball. It's an easy, it, like, think about it. Logically speaking, there's it would be easy for Donovan Mitchell to get, like, five, six transition buckets a night. Yeah. That's 10, 12 points right there. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. Uh, Ryan Skandura, even if the Knicks don't get Don, they should get rid of Randall. I agree. Totally agree. I mean, agree. if it is true that the Lakers would take Julius Randall back in return. See you later. If you're the Knicks, why wouldn't you take Russell Westbrook and buy him out? If you can get two future first-round picks – and you move a guy in Julius Randle that's a problem in whatever the package is that it takes to make that work, why would you not do that? Yeah, take it. I, I, I think you would do that. Yeah. I do. Uh, Lady D422 says the Knicks are not frustrated, nor are they desperate. Nobody said the Knicks were desperate. The Knicks are clearly frustrated. The, there, is, there is no doubt about that. They thought they had a Donovan Mitchell deal done. Um, there was a Monday call a couple of weeks ago where – they felt like there was there was that call was to finish the deal and it didn't happen. I mean, th there is no question in my mind they are frustrated. No doubt about it. Uh, Joe Oliver says, as someone new to the NBA on a scale of one to ten, are the Jazz in a good or bad place? Bad being one, good being ten. I think they're in like a six. It, they have to make a, a directional decision here because the the Rudy Gobert trade gave the Jazz. Um, all the flexibility they needed. It gave them all the room they needed to make deals. And so the question now is, what what deals do you want to make and what are you hoping to achieve? I think that they would like to add a power forward. There's no question about that. I think they would like not to invest in a big. There is no question about that. I think that's why they were so hot after John Collins because he's a hybrid player. Uh, but I think that they they need to add a legitimate scoring shooting three and D wing player. Yeah. I mean, they, there's no question. That's what this team lacked last year. And they have not addressed that in my opinion. Uh, J deals direct says Bogues hasn't averaged 20 points. Clarkson is the, okay. If you watch the jazz, you asked who is capable of scoring 20 points. Boyan Bogdanovich is Boyan Bogdanovich is capable of scoring 50 points. Yeah. He dropped 50 on the nuggets, dude. Yeah. It, Jordan like. Clarkson is capable any night of scoring 35, 40 points. Yeah. If, if he gets 30 minutes, 35 minutes, Jordan Clarkson will score you 30 points a night. The problem is he'll do it on like 79 shots. <laughs> he is a volume scorer and a volume shooter. And when he is hot, <laughs> there is no better three-point shooter in the world than Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, so, but when he's cold, mm. The thing we have to stop doing as basketball fans, baseball fans, football fans, stop living and dying on the stat sheet. Take the stat sheet and meld it with what you've seen a guy do and what you know his talent threshold is. Jordan Clarkson is capable of leading this league in scoring. He's that good at putting the ball in the hole. It's a matter of what his role is. 
he was a seventh or eighth option at times on this team. Like it, his role is going to expand. It's not going to decline. By the way, he's a guy that also is in is is being asked about regularly. Yeah. Jordan Clarkson. Uh let's see. Harlem Girl says, so because Ainge is allowed to fleece other GMs, Leon Rose should just give in? No, of course not. No, we never said that. You said that. I, I'm I'm just saying that you're Leon Rose is an idiot if he's gonna come to the table with that value and think that Danny Ainge is gonna say yes. I, I think Leon Rose has a responsibility to negotiate and and pay the least amount possible for Donovan Mitchell, but my biggest problem is is that Danny Ainge has said to Leon Rose multiple times, this is the bar. So being here is not here. We know that. That's an obvious take. So why is it that then Leon Rose is frustrated walking away from the Utah Jazz right now? That's my biggest gripe. I You shouldn't be frustrated if you know Danny's not coming off this bar. You know he's not leaving this level you're coming in here, yet then you're pissed off walking away. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. That's not. That's just not logical. You no. know. And I think when you look at statistics, it the the funny thing is like there's so many people like Thuny Music says Clarkson does not average 20 points at all. Y'all just talking. Look at his per 36. Look at Boyan Bogdanovich. Look at Donovan Mitchell. Look at. I, I sh- anyway. You can't just live on the stat sheet, dude. Yeah, you can't I, do it. Who cares? The stat sheet is like the stat. What the stat sheet doesn't <laughs> tell you is how how poor some of Boyan Bogdanovich's opportunity numbers are. There are nights where Boyan Bogdanovich doesn't touch the ball for seven, eight, nine possessions in a row. That was the case with Quinn Snyder's offense. There were nights when Donovan Mitchell took way too many contested shots and played hero ball. That meant. You know, Boyan Bogdanovich wasn't getting opportunities. Like, this isn't rocket science. Don't just live on the stat sheet. I'm telling you, that is the wrong thing to do. People who go and say, okay, well, Jordan Clarkson averaged whatever he averaged. That means he's not capable of putting up 20 points a night over 75 games. You're crazy if you think that he's not capable of doing that, given the minutes. Stats can tell any story you want it to. Yeah. Any story at all. Patrick Bourne says, Big 12 officially under new leadership day one. Yeah, we'll get there in, in about 15 minutes. Stick around for that. Uh, Lady D422 says, I don't believe Donovan Mitchell wants to stay in Utah. Why? So has he demanded a trade? See, and this is the thing. Listen, Nick fans, and I know we have a lot of Nick fans that watch the show. I understand why you feel the way you feel about your club. Donovan Mitchell has never demanded a trade. He has never asked for a trade. Notice he has been remarkably silent all summer long. He has not talked about this. He has tweeted more about Mets and Yankees than he has about any other topic. Come on, and man. And he's never tweeted about demanding a trade, wanting a trade. You have not seen him in a Knicks uniform. None of that. You've seen him in Louisville working out. You've seen him in Miami working out. You've seen him in the Bahamas working out. You've seen him in New York working out. But there's no indication that that Donovan wants to leave or has demanded a trade. Does he love life in Salt Lake City? Probably not. And we've talked about this ad nauseum on the show. I think the the civil rights issues and the issues with race and empowerment in this town are a real problem for him. I think he 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 tried to talk about critical race theory in schools and he was shut down and criticized yeah, nice and essentially racially abused. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that he's I, I, I don't think that he loves that idea. In my opinion, Eric and Raleigh, good morning too. Can't blame the Knicks for walking away from the Mitchell trade. I agree. I absolutely agree. You know, I, I think it is, 
I think it is one of those things where the asking price is too high. Nobody's more of a Donovan Mitchell believer than I am. I'm not giving up four first-round picks for him. But that's by design. Let's be clear. Yeah. That's not some accident that Danny Ainge is asking for a ridiculous price tag on Donovan Mitchell. And that's what I think is so lost on so much of the media and fan bases, both locally and nationally. Again, yes. how are we missing the point that Danny Ainge is asking for a ridiculous price because he doesn't want to trade Donovan Mitchell? He's only going to trade him if someone's willing to pay over and above money to get him. That's yeah. It's just that simple. I totally agree. Totally agree. Okay, a couple more on this. Uh, Top Junkie says, if you buy Russ out and have no Randall, then we need Obi to slide into that spot. I think you need Obi to be a better player this year. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I, don't I just don't think be. there's any doubt about that. Yeah. You know, like I, I think there, there's no doubt about that. Uh, let's see. RJ Breezy says, nope, not worth that price. You can't give away all your depth or future for Donovan Mitchell. He's good, but not Giannis. In my opinion, Jazz need this one more than the Knicks. I think that's a conversation that can be had. I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I don't think the Jazz are desperate to trade Don. But if we're talking about need, value, I think there's a lot more value in this deal for the Jazz than there is the Knicks. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think you're right on about that. I just I think that the Knicks are crazy to give up. I mean, what would you give up for Donovan Mitchell? I, I can't even imagine I think I'd give up, up what they want to give up. I, I, I think that three players and four picks is a perfectly reasonable price. But I'm, I, I'm, I'm just going to keep saying, like, again, there's a reason the price is the price. They don't want to trade Donovan Mitchell. They want to build around him. They believe in him. Like, is Jalen Brunson a mistake? And no. I, I keep going back to, I, what does Jalen Brunson turn into when he's not on a team with Luka Doncic and his mom? Like, that's the question that I, and I don't know the answer to that. I think it's one of those ones where when you look at guys like Obi Toppin, does Jalen Brunson make Obi Toppin a better player? Does Jalen Brunson make RJ Barrett a better player? Yes. Does does Jalen Brunson make RJ Barrett a max extension player? Yes. I think he does. I think he needs to prove that. I think he needs to, this is still at its core, a young, young Knicks team, including Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson is not some savvy vet. I think Jalen Brunson is a guy that hasn't played his best basketball yet. Yeah, I think the thing with Jalen Brunson, though, is that he is a heady player. He understands how to make decisions. He understands how to operate in the mid-range. He understands how to put guys in a good position to shoot a high percentage out of the corner. So to me, yeah, Jalen Brunson is not a superstar. He is a fringe max player. Um, I think the Knicks really wanted him, and that's why he got a max. But... I think we can't forget the momentum Jalen Brunson had coming off of his postseason performance. That's what you can't forget here is the context with which he was signed. The Knicks were all over him because of what he did against Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz. He dominated Donovan Mitchell at times. He bullied Donovan Mitchell at times. Like There were, there were great times for Jalen Brunson, but I, I think you bring up a fair point that, you know, yeah, he hasn't proven that he can make everyone around him better. But I just think that when you put Jalen Brunson on a new team in New York City, he's going to be motivated to play well, and I think he will. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, they have an interesting – don't forget they signed Hartenstein as well. Um, You know, obviously the Mitchell Robinson deal was well talked about. Hartenstein and Obi Toppin, like, where does Obi Toppin slide into this team? I mean, is he a four or five guy? Is he a four or five hybrid? I mean, it it would be ideal if if he was making the – 
you know, it'd be ideal if he was making the three more consistently. Yeah. Then you can play him out outside the paint. Like, it, it'll be interesting because Hartenstein and Mitchell Robinson, I think, are more paint players. Obi Toppin has shown that he has some versatility. All of this to say, Jalen Brunson's making 28 million bucks this coming year. Now, he's 25 years old. He's young. He's got a lot of room to improve. I mean, a year from now, you're going to be talking about a guy in in R.J. Baird is probably making 30 to $35 million a year. We'll see. That's a lot of bread, dude. Belief, it, belief drives paychecks, right? So the Knicks believe that Jalen Brunson can be the guy. Yeah. Right? Uh, H Money 821 says Knicks hold the cards for a trade. Okay. Well, it won't be with the Jazz. See, and, and that's the other thing. I think a lot of people want to have this discussion about who needs to trade more and who holds the cards. There's no disputing this. Danny Ainge holds the cards. He set the price by doing the, the Gobert the Gobert trade with Minnesota. He 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 has Donovan Mitchell, right? Remember, what have we been saying? Danny Ainge didn't call the Knicks, right? Leon Rose called Danny Ainge. Yeah. So that means that Danny Ainge does have the cards. That means that Danny Ainge decides what the price is. That means Danny Ainge decides when Donovan Mitchell gets traded and when he doesn't get traded. So respectfully, I have to disagree. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it, it, and obviously, I think there's value in both sides. I think clearly there's more value for the, the Jazz here than, yeah. than the Knicks. I just, yeah. Uh, Jay Deals Direct says, Jazz got rid of their two best defenders. They will be contending for play-in at best. Well, I don't know who you think their second best defender was, but it wasn't Royce O'Neal. So if that's who you're referring to, I mean, was Rudy Gobert their best defensive player? He was. But he also was their biggest defensive liability in the playoffs. So the bigger question here is, does Donovan Mitchell improve his defense this year? Yep. Because I think that's a huge question. At Vanderbilt, Beasley, yeah, I mean, you got more athletic. I mean, the, the Utah Jazz a year ago were just an incredibly unathletic club. I mean, it, by the way, Rudy Gay is still on this team. So, I mean, you, you, there's a lot of guys they'd like to move. Like to move. Mm -hmm. Donovan Mitchell's not one of them. I think they would, but I, I don't think they're working that. Prismac from Poland, my Polish friend. Poland. Uh, we should trade Conley because the trade was a mistake. Well, I don't know if the original Conley trade was a mistake. I think resigning him last year to a multi-year deal that puts you in the luxury tax was a mistake. That was a mistake. There's... There is no no doubt about that. Uh, Jay Deals Direct says, so Bogey is your 3 and D wing? Not really. No. Not really. Nope. I mean, you got to do better than that. Uh, Honeymoon821 says, that Rudy Gobert trade Minnesota did ruin the NBA. Totally agree. Uh, Theony Music says, tall, really some homers, LOL. Y'all? Well, what have we said that's been homerish? Yeah, what are we homering on, bro? Josh Johnson says, LOL, Monty, spinning up the Knicks fans is hilarious. Not trying to spin anybody up. Facts are facts. Yeah. That's why we tell you every day this shows the truth in Salt Lake Sports Talk. Uh, Brooklyn Abuda says, Mini only set the market for dealing with Mini. No one else is going to be that negligent with their assets. Hey. Negligent's a great word there. I don't disagree with you, Brooklyn. I really don't. Or Buddha would be probably more better. Uh, Z James 21 says, nah, they knew Ainge is like this. They made their price, and I bet it's just slightly better than other teams can offer, but not enough for Ainge to pull the trigger right now. Jay, just wait till it happens. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know what you get. I don't know what you get when training camp shows up. 
Mr. E says, Jazz don't need to trade Don. Simple as that. And Ainge can use picks to trade for other players to still build around him. I agree. Yes, yes, uh, yes. The Smoking Nick gives us a $5 tip. TSK, appreciate Thank you. you. Why would the Knicks trade our best player, all-NBA player in Randall, for a salary dump? That's stupid. And don't say uh, for RJ's contract. Because I think the last time I talked about Julius Randle with, with NBA sources, He's just been disgruntled the last year and a half. He is a guy that I think sees his role shrinking. He sees his value, his need, his importance to the Knicks winning games shrinking. Yeah. He's not, in my opinion, a guy. He's the odd fit there. I mean, again, you just signed Jalen Brunson to a, a four-year deal, you know, like a with an option. Like, you just signed Jalen Brunson to a, a big contract – what is I mean, you look at Julius Randle's number, he's not making what 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 Brunson's making. He's making twenty three point seven million dollars. And you have a hundred and fourteen million dollars remaining on that deal. Yeah. He's a problem for you. He he is I think Julius Randle is one of the most controversial players on the Knicks roster right now. And do you want him? Do you do you not? Do you do you want to pay him that? Do you not? Is he a problem or is he is he an asset or a liability? Like that that opinion varies wildly, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, cash out. James says now Leon's an idiot. This is crazy. Nobody said Leon was an idiot. Um, I think Leon is a very savvy, savvy veteran NBA operator. In my but opinion. I think it's idiotic to expect Danny Ainge to come off the price in the current climate. That's what I was saying. That's what I would say. Yeah. That, that's what I was saying. I, I don't think that Leon is an idiot per se. I think that it's idiotic. Um, to to set that kind of expectation for yourself, Danny Ainge has never shown the willingness to come off that price. It just it's just not how it is right now. Yeah. Um, Jr. Will says, Monty, what do you like about Grimes? Well, obviously, in the in the short term, he's got a huge ceiling. I think he does. I think he does a lot of things that you need, but you you don't even know what this kid is as a player yet. But you look at him on on his tape, and all I've I've consistently seen is his tape. So I don't know what he's going to be as an NBA player, but you look at Summer and you look at what you've seen from him, what I like is there's tremendous upside. Mm -hmm. I don't know what he's going to be as an NBA player, but it excites me what he's going to be as an NBA player because you can see the talent is obvious there. You know, it's very. This is what you felt like with Don. I remember watching Donovan Mitchell his rookie year in preseason at Phoenix, and he was – he was just very good. And I, I see the same thing and I have the same feeling about crimes. Does it play out? I don't know. It's the Knicks. We'll see. I, I you know, like I'm not a, a Tibbs guy. I, I'm, I'm not, I just don't believe in him as a developmental coach, right? I've, I've seen too much as a Bulls fan. I've seen too much destruction come from that guy. Yeah. So I don't know what he is, what Grimes turns into under Tibbs, but we'll see. I love him as a talent. Same thing I like about Quickly. I love guys who play fast but are composed. That's what I love about Quickly. What I don't like about R.J. Barrett is I don't feel like he's tough. I don't feel like he is. I, I still maintain that you can be, you can have him physically. Yeah. And that does not mean he doesn't go in the paint and bang. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, it, it's Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert tells you he's a tough guy and he's not a tough guy. Rudy Gobert's never going into the back alley throwing hands like that's just not who that guy is final and if i'm paying you 23 percent of my salary cap you damn well better be back is broken so exactly right 
Exactly right. Kanai Johnson says, uh, so are the Jazz looking to play small ball this season? I think they're looking to play smaller. There's no doubt about that. Jeremy Bolton says, well, bad news, everyone. I didn't win Powerball. (laughs) One ticket in Illinois. Neat. What a jerk. Eric and Raleigh, Quinn Snyder allowed toxicity to set in in the Jazz locker room. The change will allow some... allowed some of the underused players to finally grow. Yeah. I, I, I think Could that's be. very true. Strange clouds. Good morning to you. Can you play the Stephen A. Smith Smith quote? He's an assassin. He's, he's paying an us, assassin. He's paying us two bucks for that. Appreciate he's you. He's an assassin. Uh, James Cott says Knicks were tampering. Good luck proving that. Yeah, we'll see. J deals direct says 90% of NBA players are capable. LOL. Bottom line is output every game. Yeah. Yeah. And the true superstars put out every single game. That's night. what I'm saying about like Jalen Brunson or, or better yet, like Jordan Clarkson or Boyan Bogdanovich. You give those guys proper touches in 35 minutes a night. Yeah. They're probably going to put up some numbers. That's the issue. Like that's why the yep. stat sheet doesn't reflect what they're capable of. Yep. Uh, top junkie says dump Randall in his bloated contract. This opens up huge cap space. Uh, especially moving into 2024 free agency. Totally agree with that. <laughs> totally agree with that. You guys are amazing. I see all the comments. Thank you so much. Um, let's see. Whoa. Comment dump. Deck Collector says, just found you guys a week ago with Big 12 expansion. You are now uh, my morning commute. DJ and PK better watch out. Oh, appreciate you, Deck Collector. Love you, bro. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate that, man. Speaking of which, the biggest stories in sports this morning, welcome to the show. Um, If you're just tuning in, Deshaun Watson is the biggest story of the day. He's been suspended six games by the National Football League uh, and the NFLPA arbitrator. They had an independent arbitrator review the case, as is the terms of the collective bargaining agreement. Um, She is a former federal judge, and she ruled this morning that Deshaun Watson violated the uh, player conduct policy in the NFL, and she ruled that he should miss the first six games of the year for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Those first six games are at Carolina, home for the Jets, Thursday night football on Amazon Prime versus the Steelers, at the Falcons, home for the Chargers, home for the Patriots. Deshaun Watson today would be eligible to play week seven at the Ravens. But the other side of this coin is that the NFL is likely to appeal this suspension. Yeah. And if they appeal, Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, will have the final say on the length of his suspension. And by all accounts, if that happens, Deshaun Watson will be suspended for the entire year because the NFL does not want Deshaun Watson playing in Houston for the Cleveland Browns on December 4th, which is a big date for Deshaun. Yeah. A big date for Deshaun. Um, So Deshaun Watson's been suspended six games by the NFL independent arbitrator, Um, and by the way, the other note, uh, this morning on Deshaun Watson is he has now settled all of these lawsuits, but one, all of the civil lawsuits against Deshaun Watson have been settled, but for one loan holdout. So he is seemingly, uh, tying up the loose ends in this situation, but breaking news this morning out of the NFL, Deshaun Watson's been suspended the first six games of the NFL season by an independent arbitrator representing both the NFL and the NFLPA. Today is day one for the Big 12 commissioner. And here's a question for you. Is the Pac-12 a buyer or a seller in college football expansion? Let's get into that because I think one of the interesting things was George Klyovkov's, I don't know, was it a speech? Um, Was it? You know, was it a, a grandstanding? 
I don't know. I think it's interesting when you listen to George Klyovkov uh, at Pac-12 Media Day and you listen to what he said about, you know, college expansion and conference realignment. George, uh, you say that you haven't determined whether you're going to go shopping in the Big 12 or not. You don't hear something like that often from a commissioner saying they might target another conference's schools. Usually it's the other way around. They reach out to you. So, one, um, has anybody, any members of the Big 12 reached out to you about potentially joining the Pac-12? And uh, secondly, you talk about being collegial. Do you think the days of trying to be collegial when it comes to expansion are over? I, I hope they're not over, but they're certainly harmed. And um, that, that, that remark was a reflection of the fact that I've been spending four weeks trying to defend against grenades that have been lobbed in from every corner of the Big 12, trying to destabilize our remaining conference. And I understand why they're doing it. When you look at the relative media value between the two conferences, I get it. I get why they're scared. I get why they're trying to destabilize us. But it, it, I was just tired of that. And yeah, that's probably not the most collegial thing I've ever said. I don't know, man. I mean, what do you make of that? How do you feel? I, I mean, lobbing grenades? Yeah, look, I think that, so first of all, the first thing that needs to be said here is you need to understand who George is, obviously. Commissioner of the Pac-12, has a job to do, has a, has a certain stance he's got he's to gotta take. So my first reaction to everything that he said from the speech to the press availability was, yes, this guy obviously has to represent the Pac-12. That specific comment I felt like was him just taking the tough guy approach in standing tall for his conference. You know, I think that that there were a lot of like like last week, if you think about all the conversations we had on the show and what the national feeling was about about where the Pac-12 was, there's some real and even today, there are some real questions about the viability of the Pac-12 long term. So I think, you know, George had to come out and say, hey, yeah. We are planning on being successful. We are planning on growing. We are the Conference of Champions. We are all these great things. Like, that's what I was saying Friday. Like, I expected him to come out with a bunch of positivity. But, you know, to take that strong of a stance to to, to, to wonder about whether you're buying or selling or, like, you know, what the future of the conference is, I just think that was kind of a mistake. I, I would have preferred him to say, like, yeah, we are looking at all our options. We got to figure out what what is what is best. You know, he also there were a lot of conversation around like like NIL and his stance on on what you know what NIL looked like and the fact that you're sitting there saying like, hey, yeah, we've lost sight of what the student athlete is. That's a problem for me. And and the reason I say that's a problem is because. NIL is the future of college athletics, and you need to get on board now if you want to survive. And I just think that, that the Pac-12 has been behind the eight ball on that, and I think that overall they got to step their game up in that department. Yeah, let's hear from uh, George Klyavkov on um, his thoughts on the Pac-12 survival, especially with the remaining 10 teams. What gives you confidence that the 10 remaining schools are going to stay in this conference? Yeah, we, we've had two board meetings a week for the last four weeks and uh, looking my colleagues in the eye and understanding their commitment and that their first priority is making sure that the Pac-12 survives and thrives and grows and is successful. They're committed to the conference and I think the best thing to do is to ask them about it. And with respect to the Big 12 being open for business, I appreciate that. We haven't decided if we're going shopping there yet or not. <laughs> You haven't decided? I, I that's oh, stunning. Oh, excuse to me. me. You haven't decided if you want to go shopping or not. I got news for you, George. 
You do need to go shopping. You definitely but need I, to go but shopping. Here, here's the question. One of the biggest things about one of the biggest things about George Klyovkov was that was a lot of bloviating. That was a lot of valuing. That was we're a big bad conference in the Pac-12 and we're going to survive and we have huge brand value. Or do you? Because one of the things that's very clear is George Klyovkov believes his Pac-12 can add teams and survive. And I just don't know how that happens. If you are George Klyovkov, what is it that you can offer Houston that the Big 12 cannot? Because with all due respect to the Pac-12, Houston is a team that is surrounded by Big 12 brethren. Houston is a team that in the, in the Big 12 has games of consequence against their neighbors at Tech. Uh, against their neighbors at TCU, potentially against their neighbors in Dallas at SMU. Like you have games of consequence that matter. Houston versus Oklahoma State is a game that Houston fans care about. With all due respect, Houston against Oregon State is not a game that most Houstonians care about. So what is it that you offer a team like Houston? Conversely, what is it that the Pac-12 offers a team like San Diego State that the Big 12 does not? Because I don't see value in the Pac-12 if I'm San Diego State. I see far more value in the Big 12 if I'm San Diego State. And when I say that, you can't also turn around and say, well, what the value is is TV money. Because if you were offering Houston $75 million a season per you know per member of the conference, okay, then I could see mm-hmm. having value in joining the Pac-12. You're never getting close to 50, 60, 70 million per school per season in TV money. Yeah. You're never getting close to that. Well, and I thought what was interesting yesterday is, you know, that was also another thing that people were kind of talking about was like, you know, George Klofkoff saying that, well, we're working on things. We're, you know, we're working on, you know, like he, he had a whole segment of a speech was about initiatives and what they're working on and trying to figure things out. And his main thing was, yeah, we are working on a streaming deal. That's like the most important thing and and I just wanted to like when I was listening to it and watching it I just literally wanted to say like it's not good enough that you're just working on it now that's the problem right and again all with a grain of salt because he has to say what he has to say a certain type of way but it's just not good enough like you needed to have the last five years 70 million dollars of school you needed to have that track record that you could live off of and lean on and leverage and be able to say yeah, San Diego State, we are going to get you 75 mil a year. Yeah, Houston, we are going to get you 75 mil a year. Not, yeah, San Diego State, we're going to get you 30 million a year. That's not good enough. That's what I was that's yeah. what I was just perplexed by. Yep, Josh Lovering, good morning coach. He says Pac-12 did say they were first to get NAL going in college athletics. Come on. Come on. What Okay, congratulations. But that's like one of those like what you were just saying like what else so What does that so mean? So what else is he going to say? And that's what I mean. You have to understand that he his his lens if you will, like the way he's going to have the conversation and respond to questions is going to be a proactive Pac-12 answer every single time. You have to understand that. So I wasn't surprised he said that, but it's so far from the truth that the Pac-12 was the first to like revolutionize NIL. That's just not true. I, I just don't see, and we, and we can play the bite. Let's play the NIL bite um, because I think it matters. Here, here is George Klyovkov talking about NIL. The clear line for me should be that boosters should not be able to interact with high school students before they've committed. Um, Coaches should be able to say to a recruit that historically kids who have come here and played that position at that level have enjoyed this kind of NIL. 
but you can't negotiate the NIL before the kid is committed. That, that would be a good bright line rule that I think is, would be easier to implement. Well, that's all well and good, George, but that's not the way business is done in college athletics. Yeah. And I think one of the things that the Pac-12 has to stop doing is being virtualistic. Oh, man. Like, we're virtuous. We, it's a great point. We care it's about the point. rules. And, wow, look at Cal and their beautiful hippies on campus. It's like and they're on a pedestal almost. Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. Do you really think a kid wants a a, a, a ethical, wonderful, rule-abiding citizen as his athletic director or football coach? Or does he want a guy that's going to make him the most money and give him the best route to the NFL? Yeah. That's what kids want. I it, it, I don't know how to explain to you, George Klyovkov and everybody else, the reason that the SEC wins is because they out-recruit you, they out-develop you, and kids want to play there because they know they're going to play in big games, they know they're going to make money, and they know they're going to get a fair shot at the NFL. If you ain't first, <laughs> you're last. If you go, if you go to a bottom-tier team in the, the SEC, pick your school, Tennessee, it doesn't matter. You're in bigger games than yeah. you are at Oregon State or Washington State. You're in bigger games than you are at Arizona. You know. like I, The thing that's so frustrating is that the Pac-12 should be thriving. They should be thriving. But Carol Faust, the president at USC, how about this story? Mm. How about this story? I don't know how many people heard this the other day. SI had a story um, where... There was a meeting a year ago that George Klyovkov put together of athletic directors and school presidents, a small select, I think it was six of them. And they looked at the news that Texas and Oklahoma were leaving the Big 12 for the SEC. And the question asked in that meeting was, should the Pac-12 expand? Should we go after the Big 12 add their schools to our conference, and expand. And the president at USC, Carol Faust, said, no, this is not what the right thing to do is. I'm not interested in this conversation. Mm. And she killed Pac-12 expansion to turn around and stick the saber in your back and take UCLA with her while she was doing it to the Big Ten. He's an assassin. In less than a year Dude. after that meeting, USC and UCLA left the Pac-12 to go to the Big Ten. And it makes you wonder, because I've said this all along, and I'm sure Pac-12 fans won't love this, USC is one of the foundational problems with the Pac-12. I'm sorry it's, if you're offended by it's that. It's not what's right. USC is not what's right with the Pac-12. USC is what's wrong with the Pac-12. That's been a one-school league since they expanded the last time. It's been a one-school league. They've sunk or they've swam when USC has played well. Yep. And USC on the football field has not really been relevant for a decade. They have not been. And, and George Klyovkov can continue to run this garbage out about the conference of championships. Look what we did in billiards. <laughs> Come on, guy. Look what we did in tandem underwater dance. You're casual. Nobody cares that your culinary championships and stuff. Did you win at football? Oh, you didn't? Okay, you're irrelevant. Never. I mean, that is by it's just far. the world we live in, bro. It is. Like, like how are we, how is, like, 
on Friday, I said I would expect him to come to this press availability with a plan, like yeah. a plan of attack to get after this press conference. I didn't expect George to go into some soliloquy about how badminton was it uh, was making them money, dude. <laughs> I didn't expect tennis to get brought up or any of these sports. With all due respect, because I know the student athlete in those sports works their ass off just the way a D1 football player does. But the world we live in, the facts of the case are football's number one, basketball's number two, and the Pac-12 is piss poor at both. That's yes, the facts is. of the case. And and so when you roll up to press, you're like, hey, this is some great thing, and it's not. That makes you look, frankly, not great. Yep, totally agree. All right, let's get some of your comments in here as we talk about uh, Big 12, Pac-12 expansion. Uh, don't forget, Brett Yorkman's first day on the job uh, in the Big 12 is today. The new commissioner is in place. There's yes. a lot of people expecting activity I would think in the next seven to ten days, they know what they're doing. Yeah, they already know, they already have their plan. Uh, Ruff's official says if Baylor or TCU leaves the Big Twelve, they're in the same position as the Pac twelve. Absolutely right. You cannot, and that's why I say I think with Yorkman in place, you have to be super aggressive. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get, in my opinion, SMU and San Diego State, and I'm getting a triumvirate of schools from the Pac twelve. I'm doing everything I can do to get Washington, Oregon, and Utah. Those are the first three that I would try to lock down. I want it. Um, I would absolutely positively go and get San Diego State, go and get SMU, do what you can do to build this conference and put the death knoll down on the Pac-12. Is this the dagger? You have to bury the Pac-12. Because yeah. I'm telling you now, they don't have one foot in the grave in the Pac-12, no. or excuse me, now the Pac-10. They don't have one foot in the grave. No, bro, they're laying in their coffin, which is already at the bottom of a six-foot hole, and there's a bunch of people kicking dirt on that bad boy. And as you, you can see, there's not much hope for you You left. need to bring in a front loader, and you just need to pile the dirt on that coffin and make sure nobody getting out of that hole. If you're the Big 12, that's your path to survival because not even Baylor or TCU, the big prize in the Pac-12 is Oklahoma State because there's a lot of people who think the SEC is lobbying hard to bring Stillwell to the SEC, Stillwater to the SEC. And if mm. that happens, the, the Big 12 is dead. Absolutely dead. Uh, Brett Robbins, why do we keep saying the Pac-12? It's obviously the Pac-10. I would agree with that. Uh, Jay Boogie, I forgot to read your comment for $20. Appreciate you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Says Jay Boogie, the closer for KFTV. I'm a subscriber to your channel. And as a Nick fan, you forgot the NIC. You might want to put a K on there. Uh, I highly appreciate your work that you provide each and every day. Straight on point. Salute, salute, salute. Appreciate, appreciate it, man. that. Thank you. Uh, appreciate that. Let's see. Uh, King Carl says, happy Brett Yorkman Day. Exactly right. Josh Leverin says, any non-P5 school joining the Pac-12 would get equal payouts as UW or Oregon, among other members. That's an issue. That's a huge issue. Yep. That is a huge yep. issue. So I, I don't know what you what you do with that. Bob uh, Holsey says, Ruff's official, not even close. No Big 12 defections will be more than uh, an irritant. I completely disagree. I totally disagree. If you lose, I think Baylor's a big one because Baylor is, Baylor showed last year they're back in football. Yeah. Obviously, they've proven the last three years they're back in basketball. I mean, that's a, that's a big, I mean, Waco, Baylor, that's a big break. Dude, the Big 12 is not bulletproof. We need to understand this. Like, no. You're, you're, you're no. probably two teams away 
from being in a similar position as the Pac-12, which is why you need to go and kill the Pac-12 and bring in all those teams. That or the Pac-10, if we're being you know correct about Get it. Get it right, Jesus. Anyway, Quentin Randall says unbelievable story in SI. What a joke! She killed the conversation. Yes, she did. But but I just yes, I think she it did. speaks to. I think the reason it impacted me so much is because I felt like Carol making that decision clearly is a symbol of hey i don't believe in this conference number one and number two we're sc we're not taking this crap anymore we need to get to the big 10 because we know the sec is probably out of the conversation but we need to get to the big 10 and start playing big football games again start being sc again that's clearly what that was about yep totally agree eric and Raleigh says the pack one double a yeah seriously Absolutely. Uh, Sexy Lopez says Utah has beautiful young white women. Uh, okay. Who the f*** is that guy? Make sure you go to therapy or your group session today. Uh, Brett Robbins says uh, their college over there winning best mode lawn. Shake my head. Exactly. The, the grass in USC is beautiful. Right. You know. Carol Baskind. The <laughs> Josh Leverin says Carol Baskind the Pac-12. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I believe she did. That story's Straight unreal. Up. That story is. But I think, but again, I can't get away from the fact this story would would not exist if the Pac-12 was at seventy million plus per school. Like I, I can't help but say that. That's the that's the shame in all of this. We didn't need to be here again on our YouTube channel. Go digging. We were at what was it five years ago? We were at Pac-12 Media Day. Right. And and Larry straight up said, yeah, we've got a streaming deal. We've got direct TV coming in. We've got all this, all this stuff and nothing ever happened. It'll be resolved shortly. And now we're here. That's what the shame is. Yep. Totally agree. Hey, uh, just a reminder, we are sending uh, a lucky listener plus one to see BYU and Notre Dame at the Shamrock Series. <laughs> In Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium, October 7th and 8th, you get two nights at the Palms Hotel Resort and Casino. You get uh, two tickets to the game and a $250 gas card to get you there. And it is all brought to you by our good friend, Devery Davis at Academy Mortgage. My guy, Devery Davis, call him today, 801-543-9666, 801-543-9666, NMLS number 278-545. I got to tell you about Devery Davis, and I know um, coming up here in about uh, 20 minutes when we get to the non-sports stories of the day, well, in about five minutes after I'm yeah. done with this this read, yeah, um, <laughs> mortgage rates are way down right now. They have dropped about, um, you know, over a quarter of a percent of a point uh, since Thursday at 5.13. Yes, you can afford to buy a house again. Yes, there is inventory. Yes, there are, are sellers that are lowering their price, but you got to be a cash buyer. Devery Davis can make you a cash buyer today. What does that mean? That doesn't mean that he's going to hand you a suitcase for $500,000 to buy your dream house. No, no, I guess not. No, no, friends. He's going to give you a letter that says you're qualified as a cash buyer. That means you can make that offer aggressively today and get under contract. Oh, but Monty, I don't have a down payment. That's okay. Devery Davis and Academy Mortgage have down payment programs to help you buy your home. Are you a law enforcement official, a police officer? Did you know that there is a new program that means you have to put no money down to buy a home? Did you know that the FHA, Fannie and Freddie, have programs for millennials and first-time buyers where there is no money down? Yes, that all exists when you have the best mortgage guy in the business, Devery Davis and Academy Mortgage, 801-543-9666, MLL, MLL, 
Hello, NMLS number 278545. Call him today and today. get the hookup. Devery Davis, Academy Mortgage are an equal housing lender. Make sure you tell me you heard it on the Monty Show, as you will when you go to Barbecue Pit Stop because our newest partner on the show is Barbecue Pit Stop. So you say, hey, Monty, I want to go to Las Vegas. Well, all you have to do is go to the Barbecue Pit Stop stores in uh, Logan, Lehigh, Layton, Salt Lake, and St. George. There's going to be a box on the counter starting today. It's already at the Lehigh store. Yep. All you have to do, there's a little slip. You fill it out. You drop it in the box, and you are entered to win a trip for two to see BYU and uh, Notre Dame at the Shamrock Series in Las Vegas on October 7th and 8th. Go to any of their stores or check them out online at bbqpitstop.com. I'm telling you, I know smokers intimidate a lot of people. I was that guy. I had no idea how to use a smoker. I didn't know. Feel me? I didn't know how they worked. Yeah. And then we went into Barbecue Pit Stop. And we went to the Murray store and we said, hey, you know what? We want to buy a smoker. <laughs> and I said to Jake, well, you know, hey, there's a lot of places to buy a smoker. Let's just go to this big box store over here. No, no, no. And what did you say? Can't do it, bro. Got to support a local business. Got to support a local business. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. I it's, did. It's not just Every Davis and Academy Mortgage. That's a small local business. Barbecue Pit Stop is owned by, you know, like the Lehigh store is owned by Steve. You can walk in and talk to Steve. He's a local guy. The Murray store, like all these different stores are owned by small business owners. So when you spend that money in their store, it goes right back into the economy locally. Yes. And when you go into Barbecue Pit Stop, the thing that I love is they'll teach you how to use the smoker. They'll give you like, I'm a wing guy. Last night we smoked wings. Drums or flats? <laughs> Stop. What kind of stupid question is that? You better check yourself. <laughs> Just when I think you wouldn't, like you were almost through an entire show without making a jackass of yourself. Well, maybe me and George Klyovkov can hang out, you know? Everybody knows it's drums. Anyway, the point is, they'll teach you how to use your smoker. They have everything you need. If you're out, if you're running low on pellets, go into any of your barbecue pit stop stores in Logan, Lehigh, Layton, St. Saint, Saint George, and Salt Lake City, of course. Yeah. They have a ton of of pellets, every flavor you can imagine. One of my um, favorite things that we got when we went to the store to buy our smoker, and, and this is a true story, true story. Mm -hmm. We went in there and we were like, hey, we've never used a smoker before. Like we know we want a Traeger. You know, we were looking at the 650, but then he was like, well, you know, have you ever done pizza? And we were like, no, you can, that's a thing. He was like, yeah, dude, that's a thing. And so then he gets us into the Ironwood 885, which is what we have now. Not only do we know how to do pizza, we know how to do wings now. They even give you recommendations on the seasoning, which I know absolutely nothing about. I know, hey, it says this flavor. Okay, cool. But like how much? How long do you need to let them sit there? Like they have all that knowledge and they make it fun. You don't feel like you're getting pressured to buy stuff. So that's why I say, that's why we wanted them on the show. Go to the store, fill out the slip, enter to win. Trust me, it will be worth your time. Yeah, absolutely. Find Barbecue Pit Stop online, bbqpitstop.com. We're going to any of their stores in Logan, Layton, uh, Lehigh, Salt Lake City, and St. George. All right, it is indeed the time of the show where we bring you the non-sports stories of the day. And as we were talking about when we mentioned Devery Davis, uh, the average mortgage rate is at 5.13% on a 30-year fixed mortgage. That's yeah. down from 5.54% just last week. So you're a guy that's thirsty to buy a house. Yeah. Does that move you at all? Like, does that excite you? Well, yeah. I mean, I, it always excites me when the rate goes down. Absolutely. I, I think the trouble is, is that that I still feel like the rate is high. 
You know, it's not like the rate is at 3%, you know, or 3.5%. And that's my trouble with it. And a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, buy now because the market's just going to go up. And, and while, yes, that generally speaking is true, I also think it's not worth, you know, putting yourself in a, in a bad position to force getting a mortgage. But again, and, and, and this isn't just because Devery works with us and advertises on the show, but that's why, like, I have a relationship with Devery because there are times, like, like this past weekend, I was driving around a neighborhood and I saw, you know, hey, this townhouse that I actually had been following, the price dropped a little bit. And I was like, you know, hey, what would this look like? What, is, what would my rate look like? What is that? And, and I can get the numbers so I at least have a realistic understanding of what something will cost. And I think that may be the, the absolute best thing about having someone like Devery. So you can at least know, like maybe you're not pulling the trigger tomorrow, but if you can know, hey, this is what it's going to cost me, now you can start the game but, plan. But does 5.1% on 30-year no. mortgage, does that move you? No, does it doesn't. Does that excite you? It doesn't, not even a little bit, because I think that you're paying more than more than you need to be paying. That's the trouble. And then you and then you start getting into the conversation, all right, well, South Jordan or like the area I live in is really overpriced and really expensive. Like the average home sale in South Jordan right now is like 640 I think it is like I'm out of that market. I'm not in that market. So now I'm more, I'm probably going to be more of a Harriman guy. That's the thing. So no, it doesn't excite me that we're still at 5%. My concern is that I don't know that we'll ever get back to like 4% or three and a half percent. That's the rough part. You know, the funny thing is there was also this, um, there was also this study that came out that talked about how millennials are not moving far away from home. Mm -hmm. That's six and eight, uh, six out of 10 and it, when you drill down a little further, eight out of 10 live within 10 miles of the home that they grew up in. Mm -hmm. That's crazy to me. Right. It's crazy to me. And I wonder how much of it is because you're just comfortable where you're from. And I think the perception is from a lot of people, especially millennials, that they can't afford homes. Yeah. I, I think there's a big... There's a big part of that. Well, and I think the tough part is like with inflation and everything going on, I think a lot of people are really concerned about what the cost of living is going to be. I mean, I, again, it used to be like... But pre-pandemic, you could you could have a large mortgage and a thousand dollar car payment, be fine. But we're not in that time anymore. No, we're not. Let's say good morning to uh, Mrs. Monty. Ooh, that is so zoomed. Zoomed in. in. Zoom. Hi. Zoom. Hey guys. Zoom. There she is, Mrs. Monty. Good morning to you. What are your thoughts on uh, five point one three interest rate on a mortgage? Better than five point six. <laughs> Better than it was, right? Better than it was, uh, you know. <laughs> and I think that right now, what we're seeing with the inventory being higher and with more and more foreclosures, that there's an opportunity for people to to dive in and make an aggressive offer, even if it's a little bit higher of an interest rate, but you can negotiate on price better. Yep, I would recommend it. Uh, but yeah, it's tough. Now you. You clearly have not stayed within 10 miles of uh, where you grew up, Jake. No. No, it's definitely a different thing. It's a different thing for sure. <laughs> you yeah. are not the mold. Yeah. No, and, I, and I, I think a lot of people don't understand that leaving your hometown is a life hack. It is. Getting out it of, I, you know, I'm a guy that grew up in Northbrook and then eventually went to high school in Round Lake Beach, Illinois. I was out three years after high school was over, essentially. I, it, you know, I was out of my house when I was 17 and a half. Like, I was in a hurry not to live at home. And I, yeah. I think one of the things that is so fascinating is that you have people who, and I'm not telling you to get out as soon as you can, but I think you have people who are happy to live at home as, as, as long as they can. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, you need to jump off the bridge. You need to get out. You need to get in deep water. You need to get yourself in trouble. You need to make bad decisions. 
And I think that as a young person, when you're 25 years old and you have lived alone for five years and you've made everything from nutritional to buying decisions, paying your bills on time or not, understanding the impact that your 600 credit score has on you because you chose not to pay your bills. Like, I think that's a huge part of maturing in this world. Yeah, I mean, I, I think building credit is obviously super important. And and I think that that's, you know, again, not to dive into the what we don't teach people conversation, but that's something but we don't true. teach people. We don't teach yeah. people the, the consequences of of not, of having two two late payments and all of your late payments and those late payments are are four years old and way in your past but they're still hurting you and i think that that's a tough part but again that's why i say like that's why i advocate and that's why we wanted to have a mortgage professional on the show like the advice you get is the most valuable piece everyone thinks well you know a mortgage person is just gonna you know try to get me on paper and try to you know get me approved and all that and that's the only purpose they can serve but i don't think that's the case i think in times like this knowing what you can get is just as valuable as actually being pre-qualified because you you don't need to get pre-qualified until you're really serious about buying a place. But yep. if you know where to look and know what you can afford, then that can help you. Yep. Uh, yeah. By the way, uh, Raptor uh, eighty eight Raptors eighty eight says drums all the way. You're a flat guy, and it. I'm it not a flat guy. Off. Oh my! No, God. no, no! Stop it! Uh, Josh Levern says at least Jake didn't say boneless wings. He's a boneless wing guy. No, I'm not. See, boneless, boneless wings wing. don't exist. That's a chicken nugget, not a wing. Get the hell wow. out of here. It's a nugget or a strip. Yeah. Like. Okay, and more bots. Wow. More bots. More bots. Man. I don't what is boneless. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> what is up with the bots today? Like, <laughs> Just grabbing an opportunity. That's what grabbing I'm saying. an opportunity, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah, how about you grab my opportunity? Man, they'd like um, to for, you know some money that was left to you from your uncle in Uganda. Well, that was Jake the other day. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. Working on those. Anyway. Things. Um, it's it's boneless wings are not a thing. You, no. They, they're those not. are chicken nuggets. Sorry, no. bud. Big Dog O-Town says, I love them flats. Sorry if you're offended by that. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm sorry if you're offended by that. Yeah, you, I am offended by that. do that flat uh, Let's thing. see. Josh Lovren says, have you guys done chocolate chip cookies on the Traeger? Yes, we have. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, man. Chocolate nope. chip cookies on the Traeger. Yeah. I, I think this Thanksgiving, we're Dude, probably going to really we up have to. our game. Because I think we need to smoke a pumpkin pie. I mm. saw that. Oh, yes. Um, I think we need to probably do... Taters and Mac. Uh, you know, oh, uh, yeah, easily. And mm -hmm. maybe like a, a nice, you know, smoked chicken or, or turkey breast or something. Yes. But I think there's a lot of opportunity. The Traeger is going to be busy. But that's what I mean. Mm -hmm. Like the barbecue pit stop guys, they tell you about all that stuff. Like I wouldn't know anything about seasoning yeah. wings unless we had talked to them. Totally yeah. agree. You know, like I had no idea what any of that was about. Yep. Williams says, uh, yeah, historically, that's a great rate. It's more cost of homes in Utah is the problem. Yes. I yeah. agree with that. William also says never going back to 3%. Those were t pandemic rates. Well, that's interesting. I mean, because that that's one of the other things about the news that came out last week is 5.1% is actually a really good mortgage rate. Yeah. Um, but nowadays, I mean, they're going to have to continue to be competitive rate-wise to get people to move back into the buying My market. Because if you look at the yeah. economy real quick, yeah. look at the economy. What has always refired the engines of the economy? Real estate. Real estate. Always has, always will, in my opinion. I, I think you you hear the news to what you said earlier. You hear the news that people are underwater, and by the way, foreclosures are surging. Well, you got foreclosures, and you got car repos. Like the things that happen when you don't pay your bills are way up. But 
the other thing you got to remember is why are foreclosures surging? Well, because it's correcting the pandemic, um, you know, foreclosure protections. Those all went away. The pre-pandemic foreclosure numbers are still well above where we are now. So Mm -hmm. I think you're just seeing a market correction in those situations. So I would... Before you panic on that. My biggest thing is, so I was looking at buying a place before I renewed my lease. What would that have been? I think like four months ago, you know? And I decided to wait because of everything, you know, we're like with the announcement we made Friday and all the things we have going on with the show, like I decided to wait and invest in in the show. And I'm hoping that when I have like three-ish months left on my lease, that the market will be in a good spot. I don't know that it'll be in a better spot than it is now, but I'm just hoping that we don't go and take like a right turn and everything just goes way up again. That's what I'm hoping. Yep. Arlington Bears, uh, good morning to you, sir. He says, Jake, it is still a great time to buy. Throw an extra payment of principal a year at it and then ride off, the, uh, uh, ride the refi train back down. Well, yeah. you know what? There's a lot of that. It's so funny, though, that you bring that up because that was one of the programs that Devery had actually talked to me about where I guess there's a program in Utah where... And again, I would be a first-time home buyer, so this doesn't apply to everybody, right? But if you're a first-time home buyer, I guess there's a program where they like they cover your down payment, and then in a couple of years you you refi that and you pay that. It, it it's like a loan thing. There's a whole setup to it, but basically you don't have to pay a down payment when you initially get into your home, and then you refi to cover that. That's right. That cost. That's and so right. that's the type of thing that I'm talking about. Like, it's not really that I couldn't buy or that I don't think that I can buy. I definitely can buy. I've got the credit. I've got what I need. It's more for me about a preference, like just kind of swallowing that 5% rate. Oh boy. Some bad news. Uh Oh, here we go. Teddy Wayman. I'm a flat guy. Is this the dagger? Talking with Raphael podcast. Flats and drums are good. I will ban people. Okay. But you can't be on the fence. You're either a drummer or a flat guy. (laughs) Yeah. Blue or red. No, I have the split hat. No, you don't. Uh, I'm a drums guy, all the way. Dwayne Bone. Dwayne says, "Good morning, you casuals. Good morning, Dwayne. Dwayne. Um, Yo soy, Mister Coach says, if you're not getting botched, you're not popping. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> that's that's true. true. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick uh, Boren says, five point one percent. Yeah, I got mine at two point two five percent. I think we're at three. But when was that? I'd be really curious. Just seriously, when did you get that rate? Was that like five years ago, or how long ago was that? Because you guys got yours pre-pandemic. Uh, November. No, we got ours during the." The, during the pandemic, it was December of twenty. Yeah. Was it 20. during the pandemic? Yeah. Oh yeah, December of twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. Moved here during the pandemic. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, five point one's not but, a terrible rate. I can just tell you that now. Yeah, I think that they were still holding interest rates lower at that point, and yeah. we hadn't got to the peak of the price, the housing pricing market. Not at all. So. The balance I'm finding is like distance and how far I want to drive to do the show every day. That's that's the kind of sticking point for me. Like. Harriman yeah. for me has a lot of value. You can get a lot of house there for the same money um, spent. So that's probably where I'll end up, honestly, unless something happens in South Jordan. Because South Jordan is just so overpriced, in my opinion. Specifically, like the I, Daybreak area, but South I, Jordan is expensive. I really think you have to go in and you have to make a very aggressive offer. Yeah. And when yeah. I say aggressive, I think aggressive for your need. I think you have to. You have to know what the value of the house you're going to write on is with that you're going to make an offer on. Yeah. Uh, not to use lingo. Lingo. Uh, but when you're going to put a contract on, on a house, you need to know exactly what that house is worth. Not yeah. what it's listed for. Not what Zillow says it's worth. The Z estimate. Know that it's worth because yeah. most houses, there most houses like in Daybreak are six figures over value. Yeah. You're underwater 
significantly. There are million-dollar yeah. houses on the parkway mm-hmm. that are not worth $800,000. Dangerous misinformation. They're under contract. And I'm telling you, you're paying like the island in Daybreak. The island in Daybreak, you're paying half a million dollars well, for a townhouse that's 1,600 square feet and, the funny and doesn't thing have is, a basement. The funny thing is on the other side of Daybreak, like the far side of Daybreak that's being developed, yeah. you can see where the, where the equity opportunity is. Like you were to buy there... In my opinion, anytime in the next year, like in my timeline, I think there's a big equity play there because they're going to build there an is. island there. Yeah, they're going to like there there's going to be a lot, of, a lot happening there. So that's one area that I've been looking at too. But I just it, it will it will just depend. But I probably got like six months to figure it out. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's a really important time. It's a really be aggressive. I'm telling you this this story that we're we're talking about with these with these mortgage rates being yep. low. I mean. You're, I, I would agree that we're probably never going to see three-point mortgage rates again. We should hope never to see three-point mortgage rates again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's still some bottom to fall out of the mortgage rate game. I think we could be in the high fours. I would just love to be in the, the, the mid to high fours. I, I just really hate five. That's what I struggle with. Yeah. I mean, I, if you ever get to, if we ever get to four and three quarter, I just don't know how you're not. Yeah. Well, at that point, then I'd that. have to be like, all right, I have to do something while this is the rate. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think we're given. I agree. We're never going to see the threes again, in my opinion, or not for a really long time. And I, I, I think that and, you just and have if to be we ready. Do, but if we do, something terrible happened. True. It, because that's, that's true. The, that's you fair. need a big, you know, like market slowdown, economy crash, the Great Depression. Yeah. Hopefully Whoa. we never go through that again. You know, like. Yeah. Why are you owing? <laughs> Let's not go for a Great Depression. No, okay. no, but, no. But you know what I mean? And, and and with midterms coming here and with, you know, a presidential election, election cycle showing up, yeah. Yeah. where we're probably going to have another new president. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things hanging in Factors. the balance. Factors. There really is. So yeah. I and that's why I say it. And, I, and again, not because he's on the show, but because he's my mortgage guy, I'm telling you. If you're not being aggressive with your mortgages and if you are not putting yourself in a position of good, strong credit, and I don't mean 800, if you are not putting yourself at 700 or higher, if you are not prioritizing that right now, because for every, for every one unemployed person in this country, there's three jobs open. Yeah. Yeah. You should be working. You should be well-paid. You should be paying your credit cards down. You should not be making terrible decisions. You've got to make better financial decisions. Don't buy yourself into a $700 car payment. Yeah. Don't buy yourself a 5,000 square house for you and your wife. Well, and I think people need to know how to leverage their credit cards too. I think that's one of the well, people my age, I feel like a lot of people my age have no idea how to use their credit cards to to build their credit. And that's that's the tough part. Like I I think when we talk about, you know, that that study that you had mentioned about millennials not moving away from their parents or their hometown or like you know, the life situation that they find themselves in, I think it's because they just don't know how to use credit. They don't know how to be resourceful. Like they don't, like you should be paying your rent if you can with a credit card and then paying the credit card. You should yes. be paying for your, like but literally everything. Immediately. Don't, yeah. Don't yeah. leave it there. No, you don't want to be putting interest on those yeah. cards. Yeah. There, there's a way to take advantage of it. Yeah. Although, you know, I understand that like uh, with smaller local businesses, you want to be careful on, on how much you're using your credit card for small purchases because they pay a lot of money. Mm-hmm. They have to pay a percentage of that to the credit card company. So I get that. But when you have a, a you know, a corporate landlord, uh, if you can pay on your credit card and then pay your credit card off, get the points, yeah. get a good points card and, and build your credit that way. 
Yeah, I think you have to. Yep. Bala, uh, Pudge New York says, they don't tell you on purpose, the whole purpose of debt. Yeah. That's another conversation. Yeah, Yeah, they're making money on you. Yeah. Uh, Bala says, credit card rewards have paid for my last two vacations, never paid a cent of interest on them. And that's what Why I'm would saying. You? That's you, what I'm you saying. Why would you? Game. Yeah. That game is there for you to but, play. But that to me is the game when you're building credit, especially in your 20s. Like that's one of the things that has allowed me to get to. I, I haven't reached like 800 yet, but mid sevens, that's part of what's allowed me to get there is just using using the revolving debt you have to pay for life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Justin Swap, good morning to you. He says, would love to see you guys use YouTube chapters so I can skip the football and get to the jazz. Well, I would also tell you that, um, yeah, we can do that. I mean, I, I mean, if it means that much to you, Justin, happy to do that. Big Dog O-Town says, uh, my credit score is above 800, but at 60 years old, still a bit risky with no help. Yeah, I mean, and your life situation plays a big part of What's that. What's a bit risky? What is that? What's a bit well, risky? when you're single and you're 60 years old, I mean, right. you're, yeah. you're viewed as a credit risk. I mean, you are, yeah. that's just, I mean, women that are single and have high income are viewed as a higher credit risk. I mean, it's just, which is fascinating to me that that's how it's viewed. And, and, and I'm not telling bullshit. you, but I'm not, but it, I mean, that may be true. Yeah. That may be true. That doesn't make it right. Yeah. But that's yeah. the truth of it, right? Sorry, I think it's really interesting. That. I think in the next decade, we're going to see a lot of changes with our economy because of the the internet, because of information sharing and the fact that we can see so much. I had no idea when I bought my first house and I thought that, I'm trying to remember, we had maybe a, a 4.75 or yeah. something. And then later on, I found out that interest rates used to be in the 20s or 30s. Yeah. Now, housing prices were lower, but the interest rates were far higher than they are now. I think that the more that we share information, the more that we understand what corporations are doing, and the more that we understand how our economy works, I think we will see less recessions and we will see less um, issues with like our stock market dipping. I think that people are getting wise to how it's all working. And if you do things right, you can save your money and you can also play the game in order to take advantage of things like credit cards and build your credit score because that's, that's yeah. all it is. Yep, totally agree. Uh, Eric and Raleigh uh, says $5,000 a month is above middle class. And depending on the area you live in, it easily could be rich, rich. Well, I mean, there, 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 there's truth in that. Top Junkie says mortgage rates up 1% to 2% will be dwarfed by housing prices plummeting 10 to 20%. Wait until the housing bottoms out and then buy a house. That's well, what I'm saying, man. It's funny you bring that up because there is a lot more inventory and we are now getting into percentages yeah. where it's record-breaking percentages of price reductions. Yes. And here in Utah, I can tell you straight away, days on market are up, prices are down. And you look at the hot markets around the country, Boise, 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 Idaho is one of the houses, hotting, hello, hottest markets in the country. And now it's also one of the biggest bottom out mm-hmm. markets in the country. Price reductions in Boise are huge yeah. because you, you just can't sustain that when interest rates are going up, contract offers are going down, historical low contracts in the month of June. Yep. July numbers I don't anticipate will be better. Yeah. But you're starting to see, I should say, around where we live, within 10 miles, we track the listings. A lot of houses now under contract. And what you're seeing is the contract will execute and the deal will close. 
and that house was listed at, you know, a million dollars and it sold for $700,000, which is why I keep telling people, hey, if that's a house you want and you value it at $500,000, offer $500,000 on it and be surprised at what they come back with. Because there's a lot of people right now with the the foreclosure stuff coming back online, there's a lot of people are, who are listing their homes to avoid foreclosure. Yeah. So they they can't afford to wait for the perfect contract. They've got to take what comes their way. So yeah. I'd tell you to 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 be aggressive with that. Uh, Dead collector says, uh, "Do you ever talk Tony Finau? Incredible two week run. Yeah, he's been nails. Yeah, his putter is what's won him back to back tournaments. Great for golf. Great, great for very golf. good. Oh, great for the state of Utah too. He's a Yep. He's a Utah, so good to see that. Uh, already read that one by Eric in uh, Raleigh. Top Chunky says, uh, 30 years married. Every Everything single bill in charge on credit. Never owed interest on a credit card and used points for everything. Have not paid for plane tickets in 15 years for a family of yeah, five. Yeah, dude. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah. I, you know how to play the game. You really, you're, 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 your debit card shouldn't be in your wallet. Just saying. Dale says, uh, every program needs a homer and a realist. Appreciate the balance here. Oh, appreciate. Thank you. Thank you. That's very nice. Uh, Wait a minute. Which one of us is the homer? Yeah, which one's the homer here, hey. man? We've got to figure, we've got to figure that out. I think you, a, Hey. I, yeah, yeah. It's Jake. Anyways. You're a cash. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gabe Levy says, 71 likes already. Let's go, you casuals. Yeah, if you guys are here right now, please give us a thumbs up and a like. Really appreciate that. Uh, it helps the show grow exponentially. And uh, I appreciate that, you know, you guys are supporting the show again before we talk about food because we talk about food every day. And today I'm going to make you vomit. I'm telling what? you right now with what? the thing I'm going to bring up in a minute, you are going to become violently ill. Having okay. said that, okay. thank you for <laughs> that's called a tease in the business. OK, thank you for being here. Obviously, um, you know, as we've told you, things are changing on this show. Um you guys continue to support us at a very high level. We appreciate that. So thank you. And I mean that sincerely. Every one of our viewers, whether you're you know, pro or anti or you agree with us or disagree, we love having you guys here. The exchange of ideas is, is what's important. And, and the question of will you enjoy Cinefuego Toast Crunch cereal? Makes me want to puke. So you know that there are foolish people in this world. Oh, what a loser. I'm like, oh, those smoking hot Cheetos? I mean, I'm going to take them, you know, rectally. They're that good. It's an antibody cocktail. It's No, no I am not getting smoke. Aren't they called smoking hot or whatever they're called? Flaming, Flaming hot. hot. Flaming Get hot. the oh, nomenclature oh, right. Excuse what an me. idiot. Oh, my tongue is magic. Jesus. That's what she said. Um, wow. I'm telling you now. Flaming hot seasoning does not belong in Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Makes me want to pee. You are ruining one of the great sugar cereals the world has ever seen. Where are we at in society today? That we have to continually pump super hot spicy stuff down our goalies and into our intestinal beings. Who does that? Are we, is anybody in this room excited about um, Cinefuego Toast Crunch? No, that sounds disgusting. Um. But you're the one who likes hot food. I like hot food, but not hot cereal. Yeah, hot sauce on everything. Yeah, I'll take Thai curry peanut toast crunch I'm a cereal. I'm going to eating motherfucker. No. Yeah, you would. No. Uh. No. <laughs> I'll take sriracha cinnamon toast crunch for the win, please. My favorite no. food is chicken tendies and fries. I'll take those sriracha hot chicken tendies and fries, fat ass. <laughs> no. No. Hot cereal. See, then you made like... 
you pour milk on that. And, Ma- and, and, and I'm sorry, you pour what? Milk. 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 <clears throat> milk. Got it. Say it right. Milk. Anyways, you pour, and then it's like so you better check. And then you go lay, and then you go lay on your milk? pillow. You lay on your pillow. <laughs> Dude, what is wrong with him? It's, I... it's a listen. It's a milky pillow. Are we you all know that. Okay. We all know that. That it's a milky pillow. Anyways. Um, Ooh, breaking news. Woo! How about this spicy burrito? <laughs> Chris Haynes, Yahoo Sports NBA insider. The NBA has begun an investigation into the New York Knicks. Yeah! <laughs> for, <laughs> for tampering with? Uh-oh. Jalen Brunson. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Wow. Uh-oh. Is this the We'll keep you updated on wow. that. Wow. Shame, mm. shame, Jimmy Jolin. Yeah, nice job there, Jimmy. Anyway, we were talking about spicy pillows and milk. Right. No, we weren't. Mrs. Actually. Monty, your favorite cereal is what? Uh, boy. Full, full sugar, terrible for your kidneys. What are you eating? I don't have one of those. I like Cinnamon Life. Hell cinnamon dumb. Sugar Life is delicious. If I'm going to eat yeah. a bad for me cereal, it is going to be that. Cinnamon Life is good. It is good. Jake, what is your go-to sugar cereal? Fruity Pebbles all day. Fruity really? Pebbles. No, oh, yeah, I love man. Fruity Pebbles, man. You're telling me? Okay, now, there's a couple of classes of sugar cereals. The ones that are hard on your mouth, which is to peanut say- Peanut Butter Cap- Captain Crunch. Peanut Butter Captain Crunch. Or, and, or, or regular Captain and Crunch. And Reese's Peanut Butter Cup Captain Crunch. Yeah. So just Captain Ugh. Crunch in general. Captain Crunch in general. Bomb. Bomb.com, It does. Bro. But it is good. But- if there's one cereal, I am probably, probably going Lucky Charms. Mm. I love Lucky Charms. But I will also say, because it's terrible for you, don't believe the advertising lies. Right. The Honey Nut Cheerios. Dude, box, gallon of milk. <coughs> and uh, give me some almond milk. I am not a cow milk drinker. That's out of the window. But Cinnamon Toast Crunch, best milk afterward, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Well, yeah, yeah. And Cinnamon tr- Toast Crunch is diverse. You can put that on frozen yogurt. Um, you can eat that just straight out of the box as a snack um, or with milk. I don't disagree with that. I don't. Dis- Cinnamon Toast Crunch is versatile. Yeah. It is. It, it is. is a, it is. You know. Yeah, it is. Uh, Gabe Ledley says uh, people have ruined their taste buds by putting ketchup on hot dog sandwiches. So smoking hot Cheetos. Why do you got to bring sense. up hot dog sandwiches? Why bro? would you say such a hurtful yeah, thing? I know what time it is. Okay, what's what? a sandwich Why? and what's not? It's just that no, a no, hot dog is a no. sandwich. Is cereal been soup? This. We've been over that. Don't, <laughs> no, don't. It is Stop not. it. It is not. Let's not go back to being don't, ridiculous. Yeah, nice don't forget who gave birth to you. It wasn't me, but I'll well, still take you out of this world. What are they saying favorite cereals in the comments? What have we not All right, heard What of? are your favorite cereals in the comments? Let's I'm see. I'm curious. Uh, Pudge NYC just says whack. Whack. <laughs> Never heard of that cereal. <laughs> it's whack. Uh, Arnell Ein Israel says you have to allow Captain to soak in the milk because then it does yeah, soften up a little does, bit. it does, and the flavor's Ew, good. That's true. Mushy. There is a technique to this. Okay, wait. No. Do you put your cereal in the bowl first or the milk in the bowl first? Oh, you put the cereal? No. I we, didn't no. raise a communist. <laughs> Bet you weren't expecting this one. Anyways, no one does milk first. No, Jake. No, I guess not. Do you do milk? First? No, cereal first all day. No, all day. Okay, what else are people eating on there? What kind of cereal are we looking at? Dwayne Bow. Dwayne. God, handle the bots. The bots are Jesus. 
What's wrong with you? Get out of here. Get out. They're moving so fast that I cannot even report them fast enough. <laughs> like, are you kidding me right now? Ish. Adult dating site. Ish. We're hot and sexy. Fans only. Fansonly.net. Um, cereal fans only. Duane <laughs> Boone says, yeah, people exactly. People eating cereal. Oh, you're so saucy in your cinnamon. Cereal ASMR. Cereal ASMR is a real thing. Uh, Duane Boone Dwayne. says, I just had Cinnamon Life cereal, Mrs. Monty. Oh, God, so good. <clears throat> so sexy. Bala says, Cinnamon Life, plain as a snack. Don't eat cereal, though. Okay. okay. Hey, okay. Good right. stuff, man. Giggity says, "What kind of idiot puts the milk in first? Or I'm even just ask- asking what, a what, question. What, what, what? what kind of idiot puts the milk in first, or even asks the question? Yeah, yeah. There right. you go. <clears throat> what else? Uh, we got? Big Dog O Town, Captain Crunch. Dead. Mm. Oh, hey now. Dead Collector says, uh, "Crunch Berries." Yes. 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 Uh, R L N Israel says, "Crunch Berry and Fruity Pebbles tie." Yes. Okay. Uh, talking with Raphael podcast, Frosted Flakes as a kid, yes. Ah, Frosted dude, Flakes, dude. I used to love yes. Frosted Flakes. As a kid, Cocoa Puff destroys the mouth and the roof. And the mouth roof. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Roof. Roof. Is it sad that I'm I am more of an oatmeal guy now? Like Mrs. Motsi's oatmeal that she I makes daily. I love oatmeal, and it is delicious. And it, people who think that it's not the best thing ever... Just, well, it's definitely not better than sugar cereal. We can agree on that, right? I, I don't know. Her, her, I disagree. Her apple pie or peach pie oatmeal. Oh, is... oatmeal is good. I'm just saying, if you know, if I'm can eat anything, I'm probably I'm, making a really good oatmeal. I. You take an oatmeal over a good breakfast burrito or like a good omelet? Okay, great. Why do you do this? Do what? I'm just asking a simple That's a question. Class That's a of food. So we went to McDonald's the other day to try and get breakfast. It was ten forty-five. Okay. The line was so long that we ran out of time, and they they were at ten fifty five. They were like, "No, can't do it." Too fucking bad, man. <laughs> exactly. I know. Exactly. Here was the worst part about this. So it's like we waited in there for you know a long time, and it was actually just after ten <laughs> fifty. And we we get up there, they finally ask, and we start to order, and and the guy goes, "No, we actually." <laughs> Excuse me. It's not breakfast anymore. We're we're stopping. Me, they Burgess. serve breakfast at eleven. It's it's not eleven o'clock yet. Serving breakfast, and we're like, Brit's um, like, what? Brit, Brit in the background is like, why won't you serve us breakfast? And the guy was like, No, because there's I, I, too much we, business we're, we're here stumped. at Mickey D's. We're stumped. There's ten minutes between the moment that we're there at the damn drive-through speaker. And when the breakfast menu is, or the lunch menu is supposed to show up, what Mr. constitutes says, a promise? Well, can you turn it to the lunch menu so we know what you have so we can order? And the lady gets on the thing and she goes, <laughs> Um, excuse me. This is a manager here at Mac D's Nuts. And um, we don't have the menu up, but we have burgers and fries. She's would you like, would you, what like, would one? you like to hear about? I can pretty much tell you about anything. We have burgers. We have fries, we have I can des- I can describe I the menu like- for you. Okay, wait. <laughs> so you literally, you're not going to sell us what's on your menu, and you're not going to give us a menu we can order off of. Like, Please go ahead and order now. This, Hell no. This makes zero <laughs> sense. Zero. Would you like my Would you like my Big Mac? <laughs> you're so. Thank fun. you. Goodbye. <laughs> 
Would you like some fries? We left. <sighs> we left because that's just idiotic. You A won't sell us what's on the menu right now. <sighs> B won't give us a menu we can order off of. And Listen, ma'am, this is not Starbucks. We do not give good service. We are only fast well, food you latte venting. We don't sell food either. Well, we actually do, but it kills people. Yes, Americans. Well, <sighs> so Please pull forward. <laughs> Thank you. I, what? But Please go to the second window now and pay us your money. No, we left. <sighs> Would you like a side of cholesterol with that burger? <sighs> All I wanted was a hash brown and an egg McMuffin. <sighs> We're out of hash browns. And you can't, you're like, what is happening in McDonald's that you can't keep serving until the menu switches? <sighs> Would you like our purple piece chicken nuggets? <sighs> Don't you mean bo- don't you mean boneless wings? Okay. Anyways, some of us. Mrs. Monty's not amused. Play the music, Jake. We have to go. Uh, thank you to uh, everybody who listened to the show today. Um, by the way, by the way, it's almost three hours today. It is almost three hours today. It's almost Indeed, three hours it is today. almost Just three saying. hours today. Make sure you say hello to our good friends at Academy Mortgage, Devery Davis. 801-543-9666, NMLS number 278545. Never been a better time to buy a home because the mortgage rates just plummeted. Well, there has been a better time. Now's a pretty good time. Call them today, 801-543-9666. And make sure you uh, catch us at a uh, barbecue pit stop today. We'll be at everyone, Lehigh. We're going to Logan. Yes, we're going to Layton, St. George, and Salt Lake City. Enter to win. The only way to win your BYU Notre Dame drive away Shamrock Series game is at Barbecue Pit Stop in the Valley. BBQPitStop.com. Say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.